Free Talk Live, and you can bring up what's on your mind. If you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And And Mark. And we'll take your calls about anything at 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The brand new Free Talk Live site is up and running, and we appreciate you guys uh, sending in any bug reports that you find at bugs.freetalklive.com. The new site is great. I'm loving it for show prep purposes. It's... uh, Our listeners are the ones, listeners like you, are the ones coming up with the content for the site now, and I think it's working pretty well so far. We're about a week in. Yeah, it's I. It is going great. They the 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 they put all different different kinds of news stories there, and um, you can kind of uh, you know see which ones were most popular in the last twenty four hours, the last uh, week, and uh, I I I find it to be great for show prep too, and I think that that's uh, where I'm going to be get the getting most of mine. So we're going to get into the new smokeless cigarette here as an issue, but first we go to your phone calls, unscreen call on the amp line. Who's this? You're on Free Talk Live. This is Dennis in New Hampshire. Dennis, what's on your mind tonight? Well, I pretty much just came back a few hours ago from a public hearing concerning jury nullification. Jury nullification. What is jury nullification for our listeners that are unawares? Well, it is the right of the juror to judge not only the facts of the case, but also the law itself. So it is possible, in fact, to say right, and some would say a duty of each juror to say, well, yeah, definitely the guy broke the law, and the evidence all says the guy broke the law, and he's not guilty, period, end of story. Mm-hmm. So this, this bill that is uh, proposed would basically say that jurors must be instructed about this right that they have, although almost none of them are aware of it, must be instructed of this right when they go in and get their instructions from the judge. Well, because uh, the courtrooms across America, judges have over decades essentially eliminated that particular jury instruction. It used to happen, from what I understand, way, way, way back. And then I think it was toward the end of the 1800s, from what I recall, that they started to, uh, to do away with that. It also seems that they actually go to great lengths to prevent people from revealing that, like even right. even talking about it. That seems to be suppressed. It's they a may, conspiracy, right? They may uh, they may call a mistrial, for instance, if a defendant or a defendant's attorney brings something like that up, because they are very frightened of having jurors know this, aren't they, Dennis? Oh yeah. In fact, we had some testimony uh, against, which of course all the testimony against were people paid for by us, bureaucrats. They were testifying against it being a good idea for juries to know about this right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, they, they actually had the, 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 the cojones to, to assert that, you know, and to say, well, you know, some judges will allow a defendant or a juror to bring up nullification, and some judges won't, and that's okay. <laughs> it's weird. And, and, and it was, <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, something I want to want to say, you know, in, in New Hampshire, of course, I'd love it if everyone in the in the legislature just understood this is common law. This comes from the Magna Carta. This is older than the United States. This is 600 years worth of of precedent that says this is your right. Uh, but they, they don't know that. No one's heard of this. And the fact is, um, this bill or a bill just like this came up just two years ago. This is one of those perennial bills. Every two years, one of the liberty activists in the legislature brings this bill up 
Two years ago, this came up, and frankly, at that time, the Liberty Alliance, the Liberty Movement, I mean, we were lucky to notice that the bill came up because we were fighting like mad Mm -hmm. against some gun regulations and uh, in favor of getting us out of real ID. So, you know, we didn't really have our ducks in a row. We went in there and we opposed it, but it came out of this committee 15 to 1 against and was summarily killed. Now, this time, you know, real ID has been put to bed. Obviously, gun issues are still on the table, but, you know, I, we're certainly not fighting any kind of statewide gun issue. We're talking about, frankly, a smaller gun issue. So we had the resources to fight this bill this time. Well, plus, don't you have more volunteers at this point? I mean, you're talking about the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, which is a very unique group of uh, mostly liberty-oriented, uh, very, very principled liberty-oriented people that are getting together to uh, to take action within the political system, not by forming a political party necessarily, but by simply uh, forming an organization whose job it is to support liberty-oriented uh, legislation and oppose uh, that that is not uh, liberty-oriented. Would that be an accurate description? Absolutely. And, you know, I think a key that is really sets it apart is we have members of the Liberty Alliance who are elected members of the state legislature. So, you know, they, they speak with more panache and more authority, frankly, when they're talking to the other legislators. But this time, the difference on this bill from last time was free staters, largely, and Liberty Alliance people and just folks emailed the committee ahead of the hearing. I'll have you know that I did that, Dennis. I didn't know that you did that, but yeah. I know what happened in the committee was when, you know, one of the bureaucrats was talking about, oh, this is a bad idea, and, and people, you know, don't even know they have this right, and there's no need to, you know, tell them about it, blah, blah, blah. And one of the state representatives, you know, they get to ask questions of the people giving testimony, and they ask this bureaucrat. They said, well, you know, look, I got email after email after email, everybody, all from within the state of New Hampshire, and not one of them was opposed to this bill, every one of them said something along the lines of, shouldn't it be my right to know what my rights are? And I find that very compelling. So this is one of those cases where it's not like medical marijuana or same-sex marriage that's got like a quasi-religious feel to it. It's hard to change anyone's opinion on those. This is one of those that, it's frankly, it's, it's a smaller bill in that context. And it's one that most people haven't heard of and don't have a quasi-religious, deeply emotional attachment to unless they are libertarians like us. Mm-hmm. And so... When those emails come in, it's actually fairly persuasive. Now, is it going to come out of the committee this time ought to pass? Uh, Maybe, maybe not. Probably not, honestly. But you bet your booty it is not going to be 15 to 1 against. You bet your booty there are going to be some people on that committee who are going to say, hey, this is BS. You ought to have a right to know what your rights are, and they're going to be willing to take it to the floor and to to fight for it in front of the entire House of Representatives. And that's how you push these things forward year after year. So so even if this committee shoots it down, it can still go to a full vote? Every time. In fact, the way it works in New Hampshire, another one of the things that makes the state great if you're going to try and do politics here, is that a committee cannot shut down a bill. A committee can recommend against it, but any representative, anyone who gets elected, can take any bill and say, I demand that the entire House hear a debate on this issue, and we're going to have a roll call. 
you know, I think it's great. great it, you know, it's and it's unlike so many other states where you know bill after bill after bill get killed off in committee. You know, and and it's it's not much different than that in New Hampshire in that when they where they say something ought to pass or it's inexpedient to legislate, generally the 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 house goes with um you know what the committee recommended, but at the very least it gets a hearing in front of the legislature and that just legislature and that just sounds right to me. Well, you know, I, I want to I call something out here. You know, the Real ID bill, or rather the bill that got us out of Real ID in the state of New Hampshire, um, that bill came out of committee. Uh, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I know that only one person on the committee was in favor of the bill. Hmm. The entire rest of the committee said, you know what, Real ID is coming from the feds. It's to keep us safe. This is a good thing. We should go along with it. It came out of committee, inexpedient to legislate. And it went in the, the group of bills that they all just vote on as a clump. Like, you know what, these are non-controversial. We won't even talk about each one of them. We'll just say as a clump, yeah, all of them, fine. But one man, one elected representative said, no, this is important. He pulled it down. He said, we're going to debate this on the floor. And he got up and gave one of the greatest political speeches I have heard in my life. And he's talking about, you know, give me liberty or give me death, federal boots on the march, the war on our civil liberties has actually begun. He gets over and there's thunderous applause and almost unanimously, like, you know, something like 380 of those people voted to overturn that committee's recommendation and say no real ID in the state of New Hampshire. That happens. It's great. It's an exciting opportunity for uh, people that want to get active in politics here. Of course, we're talking about the Free State Project, the idea of moving as many liberty-loving people all together, uh, all here to New Hampshire, and, and getting active in a way that heretofore has been impossible amongst the liberty movement. Dennis, thanks for the update. I appreciate hearing from you tonight, as always. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. But it's more than just politics here. There's a tremendous movement towards civil disobedience, even outside the system, market-based activism. It's all happening here. What's happening in your state? Let us know. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything smokeless cigarettes. Coming up, apparently they're controversial. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Stouffer's. Let's Fix Dinner. Find dinner ideas to bring your family together at the table at letsfixdinner.com. Juggling schedules so that everyone eats together can be tough. Try starting with one family dinner a week, whenever you can fit it in. Take turns picking the meal and have everyone pitch in. Working together will bring your family closer, even if it is just once a week. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us, including archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They are yours completely free. Enjoy those at freetalklive.com. Of course, we were talking a moment ago about the Free State Project If you're frustrated with the lack of freedom where you live and are tired of the oppressive state ever intruding into your business and personal life, well, if you knew that thousands of liberty-loving people were all moving to the same place and getting active, would you join them? You can. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. And indeed, uh, you've got a great opportunity coming up here within another couple months, actually, about another two months, just over two months from now, to come on up here to New Hampshire and experience what it's like 
to be around hundreds of like-minded, liberty-oriented people. The event I'm speaking of is the Liberty Forum. It's happening, I believe, March 18th through the 21st, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in Nashville, New Hampshire, at the Crown Plaza Hotel. There are going to be uh, all manner of speakers talking about a variety of different things, speakers tailored toward the more minarchist side of things, so people like you, Mark, will uh, will enjoy that, uh, the small government types. And then they're actually, from what I understand, they're going to have some speakers tailored towards the more uh, voluntarist side of things that uh, folks like Dale and myself might enjoy. So it's it's just the best liberty-oriented event, uh, convention-style event I've ever been to, and it draws hundreds of people every single year. So you may want to make a move quickly and go ahead and get your tickets while they're still available at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. And get a room, too. Yeah, you definitely want to get a room while the the hotel still has them. You could stay in a stay in a different hotel, but it sure is convenient. You don't want to do that. Yeah, it sure is That's convenient. Nice. You don't want to do that. I've got a room, so if you're a hot young guy, you might be able to talk to me. <laughs> I've got a double. So. How about thirty eight? Uh, thirty eight depends on the hot part. All right, you're asking if a thirty eight year old could do it or what? Thirty eight. It was a joke, like you know. <laughs> yeah, just wondering. mine was a joke too. Yeah, okay. mostly. Well, anyway, the toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. So we'll tell you, a comic genius. <laughs> we'll tell you more about the uh, the Liberty Forum here as time goes on, and we'll take your calls about anything. Starting things out tonight, though, apparently there's something new that has hit the scene recently in the world of tobacco smokers that is causing a bit of controversy, according at least to USA Today, where electronic cigarettes... Have you guys heard of these things? Yes, the, uh, they're, they're, they're advertised all over, and I think they're a, a great-sounding little idea. It's a, uh, I know someone using one. Yeah, it's it's a, a you know a sort of plasticky medical metal thing that uh, has a, a little sort of nicotine capsule in it that uh, gets uh, I, I, somehow or another it's mixed with water vapor and and they 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 get the nicotine delivered to them in that fashion. It doesn't smell um, when they expel something. They expel steam or water vapor or whatever. So and it's a cigarette vaporizer, basically. I don't kind know, of. I, it doesn't. It's, stink. I don't think it's that because it's not tobacco. It's literally just a nicotine, like nicotine gum, but in a form. That they can inhale, and it even simulates a cigarette. The one I saw simulated a cigarette, and then it lit up while you're inhaling. Whatever, <laughs> a little light, you know, like an LCD or something. So, uh, or an LED. Oh, LED. <laughs> uh, so, so then basically these are disposable. You don't keep the same cigarette and reload I think it. With you, a, I yeah, think I think you reload it. Actually. I think you do. Yeah, yeah. You do it's got a little it. capsule or something that goes into it. And would you? I guess you also need ba- uh, batteries. Look, I don't it? have one, man. You're asking a lot of questions. Okay. It sounds a lot, considering that it has a light on it and that it probably yeah. has to vaporize some water or something like that. Maybe it has a tiny little little, a little battery, like a, a, a tiny little air wheel that uh, when it's spun <laughs> by you sucking in, it, it generates some power. And, no, and, no, no, no. It has fleas and little tiny hamster wheels yeah. that run inside it. Ian's got lots of questions for well, you to answer. Well, here. here's what uh, USA Today has to say about it. They are opening a new front in the tobacco wars as state and local lawmakers try to restrict the product because, you know, we can't be having people out there using electronic cigarettes. They're safer. Than the regular. You cigarette. can't uh, legally say that they are safer. Um, I mean, you you can you can decide. Pretty sure yourself. that if you're not getting smoke in your lungs uh, and you're getting vapor instead, that's safer. That's that's a decision that you can make for your life. But um, yeah. you know, you you cannot go out and say. It I'll is say safer. whatever the hell I want to say. I wonder if you could trace back the whoever's whoever's lobbying for this and trace it back to the tobacco industry somewhere. Yeah, you mean lobbying for the restrictions? Yes. Yes. May very well be the case. Uh, according to the story here, and, and I'm not a doctor. 
doctor, so I mean, obviously, I don't know for sure, but I can tell you that there's a reason why uh, the doctors up in Canada recommend that their patients use vaporizers instead of smoking marijuana. I suspect there is. Because it's safer. Anyway. Oh, I, Ian, I agree that it is likely safer. Yeah. I'm just saying that you're giving advice. You're, you're basically sounding like you're giving medical, medical advice, and you're not a doctor. Well, I already said I'm not a doctor, but mm-hmm. it seems pretty obvious to me that when you're combusting something and getting smoke in your lungs, that that would be a little bit more dangerous than um, having steam, essentially. I agree. Yeah. It seems that way to me, okay. too. I just don't Thanks. know, and I think that science needs to, uh, needs to advance to, you know, to, to take this on and look at it, and then we'll know. Whatever. The battery-powered device is made up of a, ca- a cartridge containing nicotine, flavoring, and chemicals. It turns nicotine, which is addictive, into a vapor that is inhaled. Users say they're vaping, not smoking. E-cigarettes are used by at least half a million Americans, according to the head of the Electronic Cigarette Association, Matt Salmon. People who smoke ought to have better alternatives because some can't quit, he says. His father, a longtime smoker, died last week of cancer and emphysema. Mm. Public health uh, health officials question the safety of e-cigarettes. I'm not saying that it's completely safe. When I make that claim, I'm just saying I think it's safer than burning uh, plant material right. fl- you, you, flying into your lungs. You didn't make the, the, the claim that it was safe. You made yeah. the claim that it was safer. Yeah. And I agree. His father, a longtime smoker, died uh, recently. Public health officials are questioning the safety of the Food and Drug Administration, which regulates tobacco and nicotine replacement devices, says the e-cigarettes it tested had carcinogens. E-cigarette distributors have filed a lawsuit challenging the FDA's authority. John Bonshoff of Action on Smoking and Health, an anti-smoking group, says it's a new frontier. We don't know what the dangers are. We're actively investigating these companies and their products, said Connecticut Attorney Genital Richard Blumenthal. Other actions. He's, he smells money. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's so funny that to me, you know, I, and we don't know. There isn't enough science to be able to say whether these things are safe, safer, or what they are. But it seems likely that they are safer, and they don't have, um, as far as uh, you know, from the public standpoint, they don't have near the detriment that uh, cigarettes do. Cigarettes stink. These things don't, um, or at least not nearly as much. I haven't been around one of them, but uh, Dale, what was your experience? Did you smell anything? I hardly even noticed until he <laughs> described it to me mm. and pointed it out. Someone someone noticed it, I think, and pointed it out, and then wow. it became a topic of conversation for about a minute or two. That's pretty impressive, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, so, California, here's a little rundown of what's been going on across the country with these. California passed a ban on e-cigarette sales, but Schwarzenegger vetoed it. Oregon Attorney General uh, reached a settlement in August with retailers and distributors not to sell them. So really helping out the cigarette companies. They came in, to us. In they, they came to an agreement. Yeah. <laughs> like that means the state threatened them. Right. And they capitulated. New Hampshire state representative uh, crafting a bill to ban sales to minors. New Jersey state assembly uh, assemblywoman. Now, can you to- imagine for a second that this catching on with the kids? Oh, I got myself an e-cigarette. I mean, really, what? What? I don't know why. Why not? You still get the nicotine. But you know, they, they just people don't a, smoke uh, cigarettes because they want nicotine, or they don't start smoking cigarettes because they want nicotine. Ian, they, they start smoking cool. cigarettes because they're cool. And I'm sorry, this little plastic metal device is not cool. Well, how do you know that? I think you know a lot of smokers say it's hard to quit. They need something to do with their hands, and they're used to the habit. So it, I guess this. I think it's helpful for them. Helps them out. Yeah. In New Jersey, uh, elsewhere, health department's board plans propose an ordinance banning e-cigarettes where smoking is not allowed, even though it's not smoke. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Bring up what you want. It's Free Talk Live. 
Become a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 per month. You'll get perks, and you'll help us free more minds worldwide. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, and they include our chat room. You can go to chat.freetalklive.com and get interactive with other Free Talk Live listeners. Best time is during the show and uh, even for a couple hours after the show sometimes over at chat.freetalklive.com. And while you're poking about the inter- Internet there, check out startpage.com. Uh, they're they're offering up a seven-day challenge. For seven days, you can use startpage.com instead of your Big Brother search engine, and you can experience the difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines. It's free, just like all the other search engines. But unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search. You can start the seven-day challenge today at startpage.com. So if it uh, bothers you that uh, you know maybe some companies or the government or whoever's uh, poking and, and, and looking at what you're doing on the Internet, well, you have privacy at startpage.com. All right. So we continue here. You can bring up anything. Apparently, the new controversial item in the world of the tobacco user is something that doesn't actually involve tobacco at all. It's actually a smokeless cigarette. It's an electronic cigarette, basically a little device that is designed to vaporize a chemical, some sort of chemical compound that involves nicotine and not sure what else is in there, flavoring apparently and some other chemicals. And essentially it heats it to the point where it turns into a vapor, which the user then inhales. Now, jumping right to conclusions, various different state government uh, people around the country have decided to uh, hop into action on this and do whatever they can to prevent people from using this device that looks like it's probably safer than uh, than smoking a cigarette. In fact, Dale, you said you know somebody who's using one of these, and you barely even noticed it. You, somebody had to mention to you that it was being used before you even were able to detect its use. Is that yeah. right? Oh, it really wasn't. I just maybe I have a poor attention span. I don't know, but yeah, I don't. I didn't seem bad at all. It well, definitely can, wasn't it spelling smoke that stunk or anything like that. Right, and a uh, a vaporizer. I've I've had quite a bit of experience using vaporizers with uh, with cannabis, and it's a completely different experience. It is not as harsh, and it's absolutely true that the sm- the smell just isn't there. Now, of course, cannabis smoke smell doesn't linger like cigarette smoke does. But nonetheless, uh, this doesn't even have plant matter. What we're talking about here, this electronic cigarette, it's just a little chemical uh, compound, essentially, that that they're turning into a vapor. So I think it's a brilliant idea. Unfortunately, the government bureaucrats don't agree in New Jersey. They have plans uh, for an ordinance banning e-cigarettes where smoking is not allowed. Right, and and the only reason to me, I would expect them to embrace this technology that would – Reduce smoking, at least in theory, and possibly the possibility is there that it would reduce smoking. You would That's think the intention, the hope, and you'd think that like that you know the smoking Nazis, so to speak, would be thrilled about this. Uh, you'd think they'd be pushing it any way they can. Right. This isn't smoking, and it no. doesn't have a lot of the the detriment that smoking does, at least to the general public. So it's it's like they're making a decision based on their experience with smoking. It may look like smoking because it's intended to sort of uh, you know. Uh, replicate that experience for the person who's smoking but there's no smoke right. there's not there's no stink there's none of this stuff that goes with it so it's 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 actually you know it's causing people not 
to smoke. Isn't that what they wanted in the first place? It, it belies the, the response of the, uh, the government people in this case and the anti-cigarette activists. The response from them belies the fact that it's not really that they're against smoking. It's that they're against people who would be smokers. They're against people who are nicotine users. It's it's really more of just a uh, I've I've called them you know the new persecuted class yeah. in America and they are absolutely very persecuted. I mean they've been kicked out of public uh, they've been kicked out of private businesses uh, because of government laws that have mandated that smokers must smoke outside. Some places they've kicked them further away from the doors and windows of establishments. There's you know twenty or thirty foot rule that says they have to go beyond the door by a certain number of feet. And there's just all kinds of restrictions on these folks. And this really just proves the fact that they're trying to restrict the e-cigarette, which is not even a smoking device. The fact that they're trying to restrict that just just goes to show that this is a vendetta against someone who would choose to use nicotine as a drug. That's all. It's true. I mean, it's it's would they would they also ban people from taking a, a, a stick of nicotine gum out in a restaurant and chewing on that? I mean, that's as likely near as dangerous as well, uh, smoking any or vaping any cigarette. Well, but but they're they're offended by the people uh, people even replicating smoking. Just, yeah, right. So <laughs> if I were to stand there with a rolled up piece of paper, if enough people were to 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 go about with a rolled up piece of paper simulating smoking, it would probably irritate these people yeah. because that's essentially what's going on here. There's no smoke there's no stink it's just people you know you know sucking on a piece of plastic and blowing out uh, you know vapor it's very phallic right they actually they're, vo- they're blowing out the <laughs> yeah. the remnants of the vapor right because some of it's already been absorbed into their bloodstream oh, yes. so well anyway there's a little bit more here suffolk county new york restricted e-cigarettes in public places and has banned sales to minor to one of the former smokers living in Wildwood, Missouri, Julie Wozner, she says they're almost a miracle, and they've allowed her to kick her two-packs-a-day cigarette habit. That's tremendous. And I don't know how many of the e-cigarettes she's smoking to replace the two-packs-a-day habit, but it seems to me like that's a real big improvement. Right. It seems to me, um, too, if, if she's um, – you know, I get the impression they're probably more expensive than cigarettes. I may be wrong. I have no idea. One would think that a, that, that a supplement for it is. I don't know. But um, sounds a little more elaborate than a cigarette. Yeah, it, it does. But, I, you know, I, I, I can't make that statement. I have no idea. I haven't priced these things, so don't take my word on it. But if, if she's, you know, smoking just as many e-cigarettes as she would regular cigarettes, Cigarettes, you're still, it seems to me, not getting the smoke and, and the, tar, the tar and all that other tar. stuff that right. goes with it. I mean, sure, it's got nicotine in it, no doubt, and it's probably not as good for you as not smoking, but that's not really necessarily an option for everybody. Let's go to your phone well, calls. Not, oh. you know, um, not having dessert is better for you than having dessert. We haven't banned dessert. Not yet. Let's go to your calls. Dave is on the line in Montana. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dave. Hey, yo. Hey. Hey, uh, these uh, non-smokers, I think they're just uh, sore losers, that's all, because the smokers found a way around their little Nazi plot to stop people from smoking. And I think it's the nicotine that they don't like, because I think nicotine is a a deactivator. It it, uh, nullifies the stuff they're giving us, I think. See, they're 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 giving us some kind of some kind of damn 
thing that's mm-hmm. that's mellowing people out, and I think the nicotine breaks that, and they and they don't they don't like that because uh, they don't really know the wonders of nicotine. <laughs> the wonders of nicotine. <laughs> no, it does. It nullifies a lot of drugs, like you know, the, uh, and doesn't, I think they don't want to have nicotine. Too, It'll nullify those over time. Yeah, that's what I've heard. They yeah because uh, you know they want people dumbed down, you know, they, and. And uh, subservient to their rules. They don't want people to be free. I think you're giving a lot of power to nicotine. Uh, the idea that uh, so- somehow people are breaking free of, uh, you know, some kind of, I, I, I don't know, poisoning plot by the government uh, by smoking cigarettes. It, 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 it well, doesn't sound like Why do they have such a hair up their butt about stopping people They're from just smoking? Not because they don't worry about people dying because what? Like forty-two thousand of them die on the, in cars, you know the. No. The, the reason uh, is here's MSG. Uh, I, I agree with people. Mark here. I think it's kind of silly to believe that uh, nicotine is going to break into some sort of governmental plot to control people. I, but I think that probably evolves out of the idea that smokers tend tend to be rebels. You know, there's do this they? Uh, well, some of them are conformists. Maybe it's more of a maybe of maybe it's just kind of a of a, a cliche about smoking. Well, here's what I think it is. I think it's just this kind of puritanical mentality of, well, those drug users, how dare they be allowed to use their drugs around me? I'm supposed to be enjoying my meal, and they're over there using their drugs. Now, they're not saying that. They're saying, oh, it's smoke. It's it's bad for you, and it smells bad and because they have this excuse. But now that they're attacking the people with the e-cigarettes, it's becoming more clear that it's just, well, we're better than you drug addicts. Thank you, Dave, for the call. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231 as they swig on their wine or their beer. You darned addicts. Or their Get diet out of Coke. here. Or buying cocaine? Or, or their Diet Coke or oh. their chocolate bars or whatever gotcha. it is that they like. Exactly. More coming up. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And uh, if you enjoyed this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just head on over to amazon.freetalklive.com. And you can order all kinds of stuff, dozens of categories in which to shop. And you can even buy used items at Amazon. They really do have virtually anything you're looking for. And we'll get a percentage when you enter through Amazon.freetalklive.com. So uh, we're still looking at this this e-cigarette story. And uh, I was kind of just looking around, found another one, this one in the the New York Times, which has a little bit more information about uh, the e-cigarette as far as what do these things cost, right? Because we were asking the question, does uh, does an e-cigarette cost as much or less than a uh, a regular cigarette? And the cigarette itself, uh, it's a lot more expensive. The cigarette is about $100.00. Let's see, where did I see that? Uh, yeah, for 100 or $150 or so, a user can buy a starter kit, including a battery-powered cigarette and replaceable cartridges that typically contain nicotine, though cartridges can be bought without it. Flavoring and propylene glycol, a liquid whose vaporizing produces the smoke-like mist. 
When a user inhales, a sensor heats the cartridge. The flavorings include tobacco, menthol, and cherry, and the levels of nicotine vary by the cartridge. Now, what I'm not seeing in the story is how much the cartridges themselves cost or for, for how long one cartridge will last. Uh, not, I don't know what to expect. So if you're out there and you're using the e-cigarettes and you'd like to tell us your story, uh, we'd love to hear from you at 800-259-9231. Now, interestingly, propylene glycol is used as or used in antifreeze and also to oh, create a good thing <laughs> and also to create artificial smoke or fog in theatrical productions. FDA has classified it as an additive that's generally recognized as safe for use in food, but when asked whether inhaling it was safe, Dr. Hurt, the director of the nicotine dependence center at the Mayo Clinic said, "I don't think so, but I'm not sure anyone knows for sure." Of the e-cigarettes themselves, he added, we basically don't know anything about them. They've never been tested for safety or efficacy to help people stop smoking. So they've never been proven to be um, uh, they've never proven to be dangerous either. Nothing has been proven about these, apparently. It looks like a cigarette and is marketed like a cigarette, according to the associate professor at Massachusetts General Hospital. There's nothing that prevents youth from getting addicted to it's nicotine. It's not marketed like a cigarette. Um, I've heard a lot of these ads, seen a lot of them on the Internet, and they're marketed as a quit smoking aid. Um, not, not, not that, thoroughly. That, that industry is actually growing really fast because you right. can. It's, it's like, it seems to be more profitable. There's, right. This is a, a, a GD lie from this doctor. I mean, it is. I, I can't believe he did this. This is disgusting. They absolutely are marketed in the absolute opposite direction. You don't see happy young couples on swing sets, um, you know, like you do in cool uh, cigarettes or anything like that. This is absolute <laughs> garbage that this guy said. I can't believe he said it well the reaction of medical authorities to anti and anti-smoking groups has ranged from calls for testing to skepticism to outright hostility opponents say the safety claims are more rumor than anything else since the components of e-cigarettes have never been tested i agree that that just that much is true and we've been fastidious about that here in fact the fda has already refused entry to dozens of shipments of e-cigarettes coming into the country mostly from china the chief manufacturer have we tested everything scientifically for uh, efficacy and uh, safety in in america that people use no Uh, no i mean what manufacture of these products began about five years ago the fda took similar action in 1989 refusing shipments of an earlier less appealing version favor smoke-free cigarettes (laughs) the iron lung version sales and use of electronic cigarettes are already illegal on safety grounds in australia and hong kong and other countries regulate them as medicinal devices or forbid their advertising. So far, the U.S. is focused only on stopping them at the border, although one of the senators from New Jersey has asked the drug agency to take them off the market until they can be tested. So get yours now while you still can before the do-gooders in the federal government try to uh, take them away. Distributors of the electronic cigarettes fear that a bill making its way through Congress that would give the FDA the authority to regulate tobacco. This, by the way, was written last year. I think that bill went through, didn't it? The FDA regulating tobacco. Yeah, it did because they started to ban flavored uh, tobacco and stuff like that. They were worried it would put them out of business. So I'm not sure what that ended up doing for the electronic cigarette business because the story from the USA Today was from today. And the story from the New York Times is from earlier in 2000 and, or from mid-2009. The only American study of electronic cigarettes at the Virginia Commonwealth University, which is financed by the National Cancer Institute, deals not with the kind of safety questions raised by propylene glycol, but rather with the amount of nicotine processed by the bodies of the product users. Another study conducted in New Zealand 
which was financed by an electronic cigarette company, shows that users typically receive 10% to 18% of the nicotine delivered by a tobacco cigarette. Smoking Everywhere, Florida-based distributor of the electronic cigarette, sued the FDA, claiming the agency didn't have jurisdiction to refuse the imported devices. According to their lawyer, the FDA has the power to regulate Nicorette gum and the like because it's marketed as a smoking secession product. That's all these are marketed as. He's saying their company says its products are a cigarette alternative for adult enjoyment and make no claims to help smokers quit. Well, they they don't claim that they won't claim that it's actually um, intended to help you quit, but it's an alternative. Like as he says, I mean, what what would be the reason that you would want an alternative? I mean, if cigarettes are good for you and everything's going fine and you don't want to quit, what do you need an alternative for? Well, the uh, spokesman for the Electronic Cigarette Association, Matt Salmon, says that they deliver nothing more than a mixture of nicotine and water vapor and emitted no carcinogens. The association declined to give sales figures, but uh, said that hundreds of thousands of people said the use the products, and the average age of those users was the mid 40s. Right. These, I'm, I'm just, it's absolute, utter, ludicrous nonsense, scare tactics from these uh, jerks that are saying that kids might want to do these. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Kids might want to walk with walkers too, but they're not. Uh, you know, these are these are tools that are going to be used by people who are in the office and can't get, get don't want to go outside to go um, smoke cigarettes. They want to go out by the dumpster in the, the zero-degree weather and uh, smoke their cigarette, or they're they're trying to quit in some manner or another. I know how hard it is. I just quit this year, or last year, mm-hmm. because of Obama's stinking new tax on poor people through the, uh, the, uh, the, through the cigarette, and every, excuse me, cigars and roll-your-own cigarettes and stuff like right. that. So... I've quit recently, and I know it's difficult. I did it on principle, and um, I can imagine that it could be harder if you do it for other reasons. Edwin Schwab, who quit smoking regular cigarettes last year after trying e-cigarettes, likes them so much, he started selling them at a mall kiosk in Providence, Rhode Island. Mr. Schwab took his e-smoke along when he went out one night, he said, and when everyone was smoking outside in the cold, I just stood in the warm bar. And he he uses the term smoking, but it's it's not smoking, it's vaping. Yeah. So... It's a very interesting you product. Could, you could probably do it in a in an uh, airplane bathroom without setting off the smoke alarm. Yeah, sure. you absolutely could. And, and technically without violating the rules. Right. The it's only not smoking. Right. So. The only thing that this does is offends people that um, that might look at it and say, "Oh my God, that's well, like smoking." Yeah. My thought was, uh, you know, he's in a bar. If someone sees him and it lights up like a cigarette and everything, they're probably going to tell him to go outside. You know, that's why I say, you know, you could do it in the airport, in an airplane bathroom because no one's going to see Rather you. Rather than in your seat. Engaged right. in this act that looks a lot like smoking, even though there's no smoke being produced and so forth. You know, if, so, if you kind of blow against your mouth while you keep your mouth closed, you can produce a little bit of steam. Have you ever done this? No. No, apparently this is falling on deaf ears. Uh, but I, I can't in describe it. you mean? No, in, in general. Um, oh. you, you can make this sort of compressed steam thing. A friend of mine showed me showed me how to do it. And you, Are you sure you had, you're not a cyborg? Uh, if you, <laughs> If you um, had a rolled up piece of paper um, and, and you know, did this steam thing, would that offend people? And maybe so. Let's go to your calls unscreened to the amp line. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, this is Cason in Vegas. What's hey, Cason. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I was chewing on one of these uh, fake cigarettes just uh, when I walked in the door and heard you guys talking about this. So I actually know a little bit about these. So you're using the e-cigarette? Yeah, I'm using one right now. And wh- what do they cost? What do the replacement cartridges cost? Hold on, you're polluting your home with this e-cigarette <laughs> right does now. Does it smell at all? Uh, it doesn't, <laughs> no, it doesn't smell. It doesn't 
It doesn't make any. It doesn't have any smell to it. Mm-hmm. You blow up the uh, mist. Can can you paper. taste it? Do you taste something, or is it just you're getting nicotine and you can't really tell? You yeah, know. you can taste it. There's all kinds of different flavors. So you oh, get right, stronger, okay. sweeter flavors, whatever. Oh, okay, neat. So, so what do you have to spend in order to uh, to keep this habit going in comparison to having a cigarette habit? All right, there's like uh, two different types. Uh, there's one that comes with an atomizer and a cartridge combo. It's like one piece that has the actual the heating filament and the liquid in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are generally uh, a little more expensive. But you can get another type where you just have a little cut. And you can fill that with the liquid. All right, I tell you what, I want you to give me more info if you can. Hang on, Kaysen, we'll bring you back. More with Kaysen, who is an e-cigarette user. I'm just curious as to what the cost is like compared to a regular cigarette. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. And if you hate e-cigarettes, maybe we should hear from you, too. It's Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet! And get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the second hour of the program and invite you to take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We started out the last hour talking about this new phenomenon. That is, I guess, steadily gaining in popularity because now people are getting upset about it. It's the cigarette, the e-cigarette, a cigarette that does not actually involve smoke. It's essentially a a little mini vaporizer that doesn't even involve tobacco. Uh, Apparently, there's a little chemical cartridge that that you can screw onto the end of one of these devices. The front part of the device is essentially the the vaporizer and the battery. And some of them, apparently, I was reading up on them during the news break there, some of them are manually operated in that there's a little button that you have to press to start the heater. And some of them are just operated by detecting that there's air being drawn through it. So there are a couple different ways these are are put together. We actually had Kaysen on the line here in Nevada who was telling us that he's actually using an e-cigarette while we speak. Uh, So, Kaysen, what's your experience been? Um, I really like it, man. I mean, um, you can. Well, I, I'm pretty sure that the reason these are getting popular now is because smoking is illegal in so many places, and that's why that you'll see it um, marketed as a uh, smoking alternative instead of a stop smoking aid. Do you feel like it could help people stop smoking, though? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't smoke for like six months this summer. Um, and well, I, I just got this new one. You were, starting to, you were starting to get into the cost. Like, how does it compare to smoking? And you said there were two different kinds. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you um, didn't get much further than that, I don't believe. Pretty much, um, if you're, after you have all the, uh, I've got like three batteries and three vaporizers and nine or so carts. And since I've got the cards already, I just um, have to buy the liquid. There's another type that um, has you ha- if you buy the entire cart every time and you just throw it away after it's empty. And well, those are more expensive. You, so wait, you buy the entire uh, cigarette? No, 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 no. The um, okay, the very end of these things mm-hmm. um, is the battery. The longest part on these things is going to be the battery right. every time. And um, the very end of it, the very tip, what, sometimes it make, they make it brown to look like a filter. Right. Um, that's where the liquid is. And on some of them, it's also the atomizer. It's the heating filament and the liquid in one little package. And those are usually throwaways. Got um, it. So I assume those don't light up. Because I've seen the kind that light up. Oh, they both light. Yeah, oh, they yeah. do. Okay. You can get them to light up. Mine has a pink light on the end of it. I don't know how people could mistake it for a real. And the cost? With the blue light. Oh, um, liquid, uh, five milliliter bottles, like three bucks. Which will last how many cigarettes equivalent? I could probably fill up ten carts with that. And a cart will last you a good two hours. Now, according to, I'm just looking at the Smoking Everywhere website, which is one of the more popular, apparently more popular brands. They're, they've got their frequently asked questions. Are you familiar with their product, or do you use something uh, something else? I use something else, but I've heard of that one. They, um, they claim that... Really good, oh, go ahead. Oh, there's, a, there's a good forum, e slash cigarette slash forum.com, and they, they've got a really active uh, community there. You can find so much information on these things, because there's so many... Great. We've got to let you go. Your phone's getting kind of hard to understand. Thanks for the call, Kason. 800-259-9231. I'm going to invent an e-penis that you can't get herpes from. <laughs> I think they have those at your local <laughs> adult fun shop. You know, I, you know I, I suddenly may have changed sides in this argument. I'd hate to see people using that out in public. <laughs> uh, well, maybe it'll take the heat off of the cigarette. According to the uh, the frequently asked questions here, they're saying that one of their cartridges is equivalent to approximately 20 cigarettes. So a full pack is basically what one of the little uh, chemical packs. So a full pack of cigarettes is equivalent to one of their attachments for the e-cigarette. They say that uh, the battery, by the way, will last for approximately one day with normal use, and they're chargeable. So I was looking on the uh, over at Amazon, and they actually have a, a – or excuse me, that was a Wikipedia. They actually have a USB charger for your cigarette. So you actually plug your cigarette into a USB cable coming out of your computer, and you can recharge your smoking device, which, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, they, they claim that the, uh, the vapor has no – uh, there's no odor to it whatsoever, but you may notice the essence from the flavors of the nicotine cartridges. So apparently the other people in the area won't necessarily smell whether it's strawberry or not. Uh, they're saying that that's not noticeable. And I don't really honestly see why it would be noticeable. I mean, you eat strawberries. People don't, people don't experience necessarily a strawberry smell. So the other question is, what about the cost of these things? And according to them... 
after your initial investment of the Smoking Everywhere e-cigarette starter kit, most smokers will start to notice significant savings about to 50 to 80 percent, depending on your customary usage. A single cartridge is equivalent to approximately a, a pack of cigarettes, but costs less than half the price of a pack of traditional cigarettes. And indeed, I'm looking over at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, where they do sell these replacement cartridges. It's 20 bucks for a pack of what I believe to be four, five, uh, five replacement cartridges. So $20 for what is approximately 25 packs, packs of cigarettes. Yeah. Seems cheaper. It, it, it does, that it does. Well, it doesn't carry all the taxes. Um, you know, right. The, it, 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 Give them time yet, on that. Not yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it requires uh, probably more work to create these than it does uh, to create a cigarette. Correct. Uh, just because it's, all you do is grow tobacco and, and, you know, it's a large operation, economy of scale and all that other stuff. But it doesn't have the well, – if, if you go and look, you're talking about like three bucks a pack are taxes in some places. So if it's really true that these things are are better for you, they're not only better than they would be not only better but also better on your wallet. It seems like a no-brainer that if you are addicted to uh to smoking cigarettes, this might be something worth looking into even though they aren't marketed as a way to quit smoking cigarettes. We just heard from Kason and he's very happy that he doesn't smoke cigarettes anymore. Let's continue with your phone calls and talk to Don listening in Pennsylvania. Don, you're on Free Talk Live, the Indale and Mark. Hi guys. Hey Don, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, you're just talking about your e-cigarettes. It's funny because I, I can't, I don't know because I'm not all that brilliant at it, but if you if you go and search who owns the uh, the makers of the the drugs out there that help you to quit smoking now, you might find out uh, there's only one person and he's trying to save his own butt because if everyone's smoking an e-cigarette, he loses money. And it's all about well, I, I doubt it's just one person that's marketing all the various different smoking cessation products out there. But I, I see what you're saying, that there are certain established interests that do not want to see the e-cigarettes succeed. Right. And, and they're just going to go and have uh, a, uh, a lawyer or a politician write a law up, and, and they'll give them a few hundred thousand, you know, for their next uh, oh, yeah. uh, uh, politician. Uh, they're working you know, on it right now. On and all that. Yep, you can you can better believe they're busily working on uh, new ways to control this product, so yes. it will benefit people like the people you're talking about. Well, I just thought I'd bring that up. No one has, but if you follow the money, I'm quite sure that you would find out what the real root of the uh, the problem is. Very good, Don. Thanks for the call and the thoughts tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. Let's talk to Stephen in Oregon. Stephen, you're on Free Talk Live, the Indiana Mark. Hey, buddy. My phone may not be any better than the first person, but we'll give it a shot. Hey, um, I've done this. I'll give you a quick scenario. I just got mine about a month, and uh, mine is the little battery. charges up. They do light up at the end. When you inhale, it feels exactly like a cigarette. You even exhale um, vapor, mm-hmm. which you probably already knew. Uh, but it is pretty interesting, and I'll tell you what is most interesting about it. Uh, about five years ago, I wanted to quit, but the first thing I did is I tried to find a cigarette without all the additives. Now, I couldn't find any in the United States. I had to go to the mall and buy Canadian cigarettes. All the, all the countries around do not put 100 additives in there. And so I finally did that, and then um, what I found is I started smoking double because I was missing those additives. Mm. And so that happened for about a couple of weeks until my system got out of those additives. And then I found that the American spirit, which is here in, in the United States, which they don't put the additives. But there is an addiction. Not only there's a, there is the... Um, the habit just of doing it and right. then there is the tar and it's deep 
but there's those those additives are frigging nuts. Yeah, whatever it is that they put in there. Hang on, if you got more to tell us, uh, you're welcome to bring well, come back because I know you said you're new to the e-cigarette. Hang on, 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything and take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves toll-free. Bring up anything at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231 tonight. It's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free. And those features include our uh, Facebook profile. You can go and become a fan over at facebook.freetalklive.com. That's facebook.freetalklive.com. And HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name. You can actually get .net and .info and .anything else over there, too. Create your very own website with their free website builder tools and templates. It could be a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website. Let the uh, the experts at HostGator.com host you. And if you use coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live. You can uh, you know get an additional. Let's see, you get your first month completely free. It's HostGator.com. All right, let's continue here. Stephen's still with us in Oregon. Uh, we've been talking about the e-cigarette. It's been something, a device that has stirred up some controversy out there because, well, it turns out that people that don't like smoking actually don't really like smokers in that they don't like people who use nicotine is really what it seems to be because they're upset, many of them, at this uh, e-cigarette product, which seems to me to be an absolutely brilliant device that allows, and I'm not making money off of this, Unless, of course, you buy your refill cartridges through Amazon.freetalklive.com. I couldn't find any of the starter kits, though, there at, the, at this point in time. Uh, but I just, I just think it sounds like, <clears throat> like a great idea. I like the idea of vaporizing for cannabis, and this is vaporizing for a nicotine user. It doesn't involve the, the, the plant. It doesn't involve tobacco. It's, it actually just involves a little chemical uh, attachment that you attach to this electronic cigarette that runs off of a battery. It heats it up, and it turns it into a vapor. And, uh, Stephen, you're with us in Oregon. You said you're a relatively new user of the electronic cigarette. Well, let me ask you a question. You brought up something interesting. Was that That's interesting that, that the people just don't like smokers in general. It doesn't matter if there's any fumes to it or anything. Well, I mean, what would be up? I bet you're right. And you, I'm you wondering, right. like, what would that, would that come from? That because, oh, they're going to get sick when they're 60 and then I have to pay their medical? I mean, what would what would be their thought process? I, I think Ian described it well earlier. He's like, they're using drugs in front of me. And it's, it's just yeah. a condescending attitude. Yeah, yeah you're not you know getting into society the way we want you to. Right. I mean, so, something I've been wanting to say before I forget is that I wonder if it wouldn't be a good idea to have an option for this thing that doesn't look anything like a cigarette. Make it look mm. like an asthma inhaler, you know, <laughs> or something like that. That's and then a good it's, idea. And then it's stealthy, you know, you're get, yep. you know, but I know a lot of yeah. people want the exact sensation of smoking a cigarette, so I can see the appeal of that, but I could also see someone who wanted to be able to do this in a restaurant or at work mm-hmm. without drawing any attention, and so something right. that wouldn't be that, you know, and if it didn't have that appearance of someone smoking a cigarette, it seems like no sight, one would mind. be paying any attention. You're inhaling yep. something that looks like a little inhaler of some sort, like maybe you have asthma or, or something like that. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, then I'll get on with the price. It is at least comparable, but it's probably more cheap, especially they're probably going to start taxing it more as the states start um, having more problems financially. Yeah, so I'd say get yours get now. More. Stock up. <laughs> well, you, you still know, can. Exactly. That's good. And they don't have a shelf life. That's a good idea. Really? The, one of the, yeah, I, I, I checked, and they pistols really seem to have a shelf life. Hmm. Uh, you still got to have that electricity to uh, do your to charge your charge it up. But right. That's kind of cigarettes have like a four or five months shelf life. But uh, hmm. probably okay. That's the money part. Um, one of the things is probably it hasn't really taken off yet. So your other caller that says people are worried about that, they're probably looking at this as like an annoyance right now. Looking at this situation like an annoyance, but not taking it too seriously. But if it takes off, those things might happen. Legislation. And the last thing is the FDA. We don't know really enough about these. You know what they're going, how they are for your health. We don't know enough about that yet. So. Um, that's something to take into consideration. Also, one last thing I'll let you go. Yes, sir. Is one of the things, one thing is uh, kind of hit me funny. You see, us smokers, man, we learned how to smoke through um, TV and the Marlboro Man, mm-hmm. okay? And using one of these little electronic cigarettes is not the Marlboro Man. We'd never catch the Marlboro Man smoking one of these cigarettes, <laughs> you know? So that, there's, that, there's that little uh, thought concept. Tonight. Stephen, I want to thank you for taking the time to uh, dial in and share your thoughts tonight. Thank and you. Uh, appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. I think that what about he's, taps it out. Yeah, he's, what he's trying to point out there is that, uh, you know, the coolness factor that go you know goes into cigarettes and whether it, it you know, whether you think it has it that after you've actually got addicted or not, it, it seems unlikely. But, yeah. you know, early on, a lot of people started for, you know, the coolness factor. And it's just not there with this product. Got it. All right, so uh, you're welcome to continue adding to this conversation. I think we've pretty much covered all the bases on this. We'll certainly keep our eyes open, and anytime we spot any news about uh, further regulations, which you can better believe is uh, is coming, we'll do our best to share it with you. 800-259-9231. You can bring up absolutely anything. In fact, Dale, you wanted to share something with us uh, from Cracked. Right, and, and I just wanted to point out ahead of time, Cracked.com is extremely scientific. It's very trustworthy information. <laughs> like <laughs> okay, the onion. Not really, not really, no. It's, it's mostly, uh, you know, for fun. But I thought there were some interesting sort of, this mentioning speculations about some, some new laws. Okay. It's called uh, Six Insane Laws We'll Need in the Future. And I, and I really like some of this because it gets into some subjects that I'm really interested in, like artificial intelligence and the idea that someday in the future we'll be uploading our own consciousness into machines. Sounds like so, fun to me. Yeah, it's a subject I get on and everyone tells me to shut up because they don't want to hear it. But anyway. Well, I want to hear it, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So number six, mandatory lifespan limits. Everyone saw Logan's Run, I'm sure. I have not seen that. No. Yeah. Mark, have you seen that? Logan's Run? Yeah, I saw Logan's Run. Um, you know, I I don't... I don't think that this is going to be an issue. You know, there have been lots of stories written about this this issue as to whether or not the world is going to get overpopulated or whatever. But, you know, uh, I agree. necessity is the mother of invention. And nobody people don't dispute that. And I think that what you're going to find is that um, when people live longer, therefore there's more people on the planet, that, um, you know, we're going to start populating, well, the other 70% of the planet, which are oceans, um, and mm. we're going to shoot people off into space and things like that and i i think that you'll find that once it um once the demand goes up for sort of space colonies and things like that because of well it be, things become more dear because they're the, um you know uh, resources become less available that you will find space travel to be much happen much more quickly did um, you pronounce dire as dear 
No, dear, dear means expensive. Oh, okay. Or, or, um, dire does not mean. I mean, dear, dear and dire are different words. Dear. How do you spell dear? I think it's D E A R. I'm not much of a speller, hmm. but um, it's not deer like a uh, an animal with okay. antlers. It's gotcha. Deer is in you know it means expensive or uh, you know like deer something Ian. dear to me. Yes, they are already building. To me. They're already working on space hotels right now, so that's not that far off the idea well, of getting uh, out there. Uh, yeah, and and I think you're right, Mark. And and they, what what the uh, the writer says here, the author says here, is that. It's essentially economically going to be unfeasible to keep up with all these people, and, it, and, he, and he considers things like the fact that it, that elderly are very expensive to care for, and, and that there will be a lot of elderly when they expand, extend, extend life spans. Except that I don't think that's taken into account that that uh, along with that would be a lot of health improvements as well that would you know. Uh, yeah, maybe the there won't be elderly. They're using, or you know, or we won't become elderly right. as, as you know, at the same time. You right. Know? They say it all the time that 40 is the new 50, 50 is the new 60, and I think that you're going to find that uh, people are working later and later in life as they live longer and longer. And I don't see any reason why I should be obligated to keep uh, somebody alive, uh, you know, just because you know they managed to make it onto the planet. So I think that uh, you know, once that we get this thing straightened around, straightened out around socialized medicine, that it, it won't be a big deal. We got more coming up. You can take control. Bring up anything free talk live. This is Free Talk Live, inviting you to take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on our site. They are free, including the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, you can just click and download right there on the front page of the website for your downloaded convenience completely free at freetalklive.com. And check out the Low Country Liberty Report. That this ridleyographer from Savannah, Georgia, focuses on pro-freedom issues from around the country. It's liberty-oriented reports for liberty-minded folks. He doesn't pretend that he's unbiased in reporting and tries to add a little humor. Find his videos at lclreport.com or join the LCL group on Facebook or Twitter. It's lclreport.com. As we continue here, Dale, you're sharing with us uh, what is, uh, I guess, a sort of a fun article from the folks over at cracked.com, the six laws that they think that will be needed in the future is that right yeah yeah the things that it, that new technologies will cause to uh, have to be dealt with and so we're kind of just picking them apart and uh, and looking at them a little bit closer maybe from a more a more realistic perspective i mean they, they the first one suggests that there will be such a population over uh, so much so much population that there might need to be a law to uh, to restrict well the, because of advances to allow us to live longer Yes, and the idea is if everyone's living longer, then the economy can't sustain it. And of course, that's it's it, what's really funny about that is they see this. They there's this sight, um, the vision of seeing that we could live longer, but not the vision of seeing all the other things that we could do to yeah. deal with the that that new life. The other advances so. that the marketplace would come up with to go along with that. Uh, for instance, I know that one of the Really, for me, it was really outside the box ideas that seem so obvious now looking back on it. When you hear these people talk, oh, there's overpopulation, we're, we're going to run out of food, we're going to run out of food. Well, then there's somebody who came up with the idea of vertical farming, where you just, uh, instead of going uh, 
uh, horizontally, like most farms do, you would essentially build structures that uh, allow you to farm up into and the sky. Hydroponics right, and other right. advances. And- Famine um, around the world has nothing to do with people not being able to grow their own food or get food. It has everything to do with the governments around the world prevent fighting wars and preventing their people from getting it. The United States, if 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 we didn't pay farmers to sit around and do nothing in the United States, we just just the the Great Plains area grow enough food to feed the entire planet and have food left over. It's about the tin pot dictators around the world that want to take those the, that that food and and sell it and ration it and do whatever they want to do with it. Yeah. It's it's dude. It's about government. It's not about food. And the fact is. When we finally get to the point of having lifespans that are tremendously long or, you know, or eternal, as you were talking about, Dale, with uh, uploading your consciousness into, uh, you know, the Internet, basically, or whatever, well, whatever it will end up being, we'll have to have gotten past the idea of governments by that point. Yeah, I think there's something to that. Another interesting point that comes up in the age issue and the idea of of having to put mandatory lifespan limits uh, is, which is funny to me because there's the idea that, that old people are expensive to take care of. And so it's funny that the first law that comes to mind is putting a limit on your lifespan. Like, you know, we're going to we're going to have laws that your health care must be paid for even when you're very, very elderly and it's very, very expensive. But then we're just going to cut you off suddenly and kill you. <laughs> but you have to just die now. You know, <laughs> but the we're going to pass laws that your health care must be covered. <laughs> the like how about if people, do, you know, if you want to live to be 500 years old, then how about you have to b- carry the expense of keeping your fragile, sure. you know, unhealthy body alive that long, you know. But um, so it's just funny that they look at it that way and and not the other way. So, uh, yeah, uh, I abs- absolutely. And in fact, just I was just going to mention here, we talk about Freedom's Phoenix on this show uh, a lot since we're on the topic of overpopulation. And I really like Freedom's Phoenix. It's a great place to go and get liberty-oriented news. And I just don't know why they put Frosty Woldridge on there as uh, as one of their authors. Uh, he called me once, actually twice. He called me twice. He's this guy that's obsessed with the on idea the of overpopulation. Huh? On the show, he called you. No, no, no. Outside. He called off the air to try to get an interview. And uh, and of course, as you know, I don't really do that many interviews on this program. Mark, you do a number of them in uh, in our podcast. In fact, you've got one coming up here tonight. Uh, the, the Mark Edgington Post interview series, as you're calling them. But this guy uh, was pitching himself as a, a potential interviewee on the, the show, and he uh, the first time I talked to him, I told him we don't really do interviews, thanks for asking. And then he called me like another month or two later and, and pitched himself again. Like, <laughs> you didn't take me off your prospect list? All right, fine. So we talked for a little bit further this time, and he started going into his issue, which is overpopulation and immigrants, you know. <laughs> and I just I, I, I let him have it right there on the phone with him. Uh, I said, look, this isn't going to be a, a real good interview for you because <laughs> I'm not afraid of uh, this idea of uh, overpopulation. And I, you know, I made and a I welcome hardworking people. People into this yeah. country. I made a couple points to him, and he hung up the phone on me. You know, you said that we'd have to evolve past governments for that to, you know, to make these Absolutely. sorts of advances. And I, and I think there's something to that. Another point they bring up is the idea that, in a sense, we might have uh, not evolve as quickly socially because people living a long time. Partly why our culture changes at the rate it does is because old conservative people set in their ways die off, and then new mm-hmm. ideas can be explored and pursued. And so the idea that people are living longer might mean a more sort of traditionally conservative culture sticking around. That's scary. Something. Yeah, that is a little <laughs> scary. But I do think, you know, I, I, I... But yeah, you'd have to get to that point because... 
the the idea of living forever would frighten the conservative types, the uh, yeah. very ultra religious types that would see that as you know against it's God blasphemy. or something yes, like that. Natural, right? So <laughs> they would. I mean, just like they're you know they fight against uh, certain uh, types of life extension today or uh, or medical technology today. They would be very against the idea of living. Some, some for, religions are even against blood transfusions or no, yeah. and organ, uh, sorry, or organ donors and things like that. So, so you need to you need to get past government for uh, for that reason. And can you imagine? I mean, what the the regulations would be on treatments like that, as far as letting them out to the public. I mean, the the, the real way we're going to get to having lifespans of hundreds of years is to finally put the uh, the idea of the coercive state behind us. I think. What's this? What's uh, number five though? Let's continue with the list. Number five is genetic discrimination laws, and the idea is we've mapped the human genome now, and and we're learning more and more about it, and we've got the first genetically screened baby. And so the idea is soon there will have to be discrimination laws so that people don't discriminate against you based on your genome. And, of course, idea, things like Gattaca what does that come mean? to mind. Have you seen Gattaca? I've seen Gattaca. Yeah. It was a good movie. So, no. But what, yeah. what is dis- Why would someone discriminate against me based well, on my genome? Well, because they could see your – they could check your genome when you apply for a job and find out, oh, you have a tendency for – Diabetes, and you might make the health insurance premiums go up, or or you might, uh, you know, you might not be able to, fulf- you know, you might not have the health necessary to to fulfill your job because you have a genetic predisposition towards heart trouble at a certain age, or something like that. Well, it seems, so. I, you know, I, I I find it disturbing, but uh, that, that that somebody might not be, be able to get a job based on their, you know, predisposition to a, a particular disease, but at the same time, I. I think that uh, you know, I I think that uh, employers should be able to make whatever decisions they want as far as um, you know who who they hire. That that whole and concept kind of scares me. The idea that they would be able to look at your genes and say, "Oh, sorry to tell you this, but you're predisposed toward having a heart attack." So. Mr. Freeman, you're predisposed to schizophrenia. That disturbs me because what it what it, I think it would do for people is create self fulfilling prophecies. Mm. Uh, I don't think there's any I don't think there are any guarantees as far as you know what happens to you from a from a health perspective. I think that they have pointed out certain things that might increase your chances of this and that. But if you tell somebody. Oh, I'm sorry to say, it looks like you're going to have cancer in about 20 years. Then you know, they might they the might power live, of suggestion. Right? Absolutely, they might live into that suggestion. It might create that for they may create that somehow for themselves. It reminds me of the uh, the show V that they've been uh, there's there was four four episodes of it so far on ABC and I saw all four of them. It's fantastic. It's, I really like it so far. And I guess it seems gonna... very. I I don't. I'm, I'm I'm probably reading into it, but it seems very anti-statist. I mean, they right off the bat they were saying things like that they were creating problems and then turning up to showing up to solve those problems. And I said, that sounds like governments, you know, terrifying us to death, like an infomercial telling us all these problems that only they can solve. In, uh, in one of the segments, they, uh, the, the aliens analyze uh, one of the characters and they tell him that he's got this, you know, heart problem that's going to come on and it, they're, they're scaring him with it. He believes it's true because they're all technologically advanced and stuff, but what if they're just trying to manipulate him? More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 
1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free. And those features include our wiki. You can go and edit virtually anything you see over at wikiwiki.freetalklive.com. Critical thinking exercise. Explain the difference between government and organized crime. Be sure to include in your comparison the disadvantages that organized crime syndicates might encounter by not having access to a 12-year propaganda system designed to convince children that their activities are somehow not organized crime. School Sucks podcast is a show about the end of public education and socially acceptable forms of organized crime. Visit schoolsucksproject.com and learn more. All right. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. We're continuing with the six laws. This is uh, crack.com speculating in kind of a fun manner as to what uh, some laws might be that, that might be necessary on into the future, a very technological kind of future. So go ahead, uh, Dale. Yeah, actually, and, and uh, having uh, talked about uh, genetic discrimination laws, uh, the, the, the article points out that it's not talking about anti-discrimination laws. It's talking about genetic discrimination laws. And the idea of the law being necessary is because or the, the, the the law being passed is based on the idea that there will there will, there will be the opportunity to genetically choose like traits in your children and mm-hmm. things like that. We're already doing it with choosing the sex of children and things like that, right? Um, or increasing the likelihood at least of certain sex. Uh, is that there will be without some sort of intervention, there will be an underclass of people who are genetically, um. You know, inferior, the, the Ethan Hawks of the world, they call it <laughs> from Gattaca. Mm-hmm. So um, exactly. And so the idea is that they might actually require a certain amount of genetic tinkering in order for what's so great about Ethan happen. Hawks, Ethan Hawks, yeah, you'll, have Gattaca. To, you'll have to explain the movie. If you yeah, he, he's 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 a, 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 a sort of a normal a baby produced the normal way in a world where everyone is being is, is tinkering around with genetics to create better people, gotcha. like more perfect people, genetically speaking. And he was a natural-born child who didn't have that genetic tinkering, and he did actually have some health defects, and he had to hide them in a world in order to get the job he wanted and mm. things like that. So that was sort of the idea. Um, so let's continue. So, yeah. Number four, legally redefining parents. So the idea is now that technology is allowing all different types of parenthood, I guess recently there was a transgendered parent where someone was female and then became male or was becoming male mm-hmm. while pregnant so oh wow essentially uh, looked like a, a pregnant guy essentially <laughs> was be taking on the appearance of a guy but was pregnant um i it seems to me like that i, I don't know the details of that story but it, it sounds like there's some complications with hormones and things like that. If you're pregnant and you're going through a, a sex change, but I don't know. Seems like a lot to take on at once, you know? I mean, not that I know anything about being uh, going through a sex change or being pregnant, but uh, from what I understand, uh, it's not the easiest thing to be pregnant. I can't imagine how much more difficult it would be to go through a sex change on top of that process. And difficult for the baby, I would think. I don't know. Yeah. With the hormones, but... I don't know the details of that story, so I'm probably leaping to conclusions that I shouldn't. So, and you know, apparently it's already possible to make have three parents with, you know, genetic manipulation of the zygotes and hmm. things like that. So, the idea is that that will create the need for new laws. And so, still, it seems like it's just a matter of time until someone does it. So, who would the kid belong to? Uh, do they become, a, you know, so like the idea of a corporation creating a baby. You know, we've got artificial wombs now, artificial zygotes. That technology is already being explored. Um, there's a lot of limitations on being able to explore it fully. But the idea, you know, at some point, you know, a corporation 
create a, might create a baby, and a corporation is an is That's a legal entity, scary. is an individual, right? Legally, yeah. And so, can a corporate can a corporation be the parent of a child, for instance? Boy, that's kind of a scary question, <laughs> right? I mean, it sounds very uh, that, that does sound very dystopian and sci-fi kind of future where corporations essentially would create their own workers or something like that, yeah. raising people to be good workers or right. whatever. Ugh. So number two, three. Where are we at? We are on number. Well, it it, it counts three. backwards. Actually, I know. We are on number three, which is rewriting the sex laws. All right. So here in the age of internet porn, it's hard to know exactly what percentage of male orgasms occur in front of a computer monitor. (laughs) 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 But we're going to guess it's more than half. (laughs) So if you ask when we'll have that virtual reality sex or human robot sex, the answer from tens of thousands of researchers and inventors is... We're working as fast as we can, damn it. I bet they are. <laughs> there was a robot story recently. Uh, I mean, you constantly can see these stories, but about the, the the robot that appears to be female that they have over in uh, some guy built over in Japan. and Okay. She's not quite, I mean, you're not going to mistake her for a human if you're up close, but they're, At they're getting glance, better. At first it's very convincing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for... Considering and, uh, it's 2010, okay. uh, it's going to be pretty amazing where they're at in 2020. There is uh, one company says they have a f- they they have a fully immersive VR pod, virtual reality pod that should be on the market by 2014. Experts say sex robots will be on the market by 2050. Oh wow, I I, I would think they'd be here much sooner than that. <laughs> what kind of experts worry about this sort of thing? The awesome kind. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't seem like there's anything to worry about. I mean, that seems like it's a given that uh, sex robots, I mean, they already have various different sexual implements and toys and, and things like that. They have, I remember we talked about it years ago on this program, the real doll, which is something that, you know, people can pay thousands of dollars for and essentially have what is a very expensive version of a blow-up doll. It's not blow-up at all. It's something that is, I don't know what the hell it's made out of, but it's its very customizable and, and everything. I, I presume they have male real dolls as well, Dale. I, I don't know. It's been a while since I've, uh, I've looked I into it. I don't know either. I've never looked into dolls. <laughs> so. But it would just be... My the, imagination's better than the doll could be. That's, so. I agree. Yeah, that's fine. I agree with that. I'm just saying they already have uh, some very realistic-looking uh, dolls. It would just be a matter of combining those with robot technology, which, as we've seen, they're starting to come out with. And once they have hot robot sex, um, then, you know, this whole overpopulation scare that's going on <laughs> might really Just be combine, taken care of. Because you know, Combine the robot with a flashlight and you've got it going. It'll be taken care of, I, I would say. Well, and, and I wonder what it'll do to... I wonder what the, the robot sex industry... Will do to the the you know I guess the demand that's out there for real sex really I mean it's a serious question. That's one of the questions they raise actually is what will this kill the prostitution industry you know? Well, I, <laughs> you don't have to deal with getting diseases that yep. would go away right and you certainly don't have to deal with uh, at with, the very least they'll drive the cost down won't it? because it'll be increased competition. <laughs> it know, will be way. increased competition. What do you think I, it'll do for marriage? That's what I'm saying for couples you know, and for relationships and and all of that. Because I can tell you prior to uh, to, to my wife um, that uh, you know the vast majority of women that I dated, 
like you know, I, the you dated person, him for sex. Personality conflicts, right? Um, so yeah. I'm just thinking that, uh, that that maybe that's done by a lot of guys out there, and then you know that the, the personality con- like who wants to put up with personality conflicts when you can have a compliant robot mistress? I wonder what that would be. Like. Imagine an AI that adjusts to your personality as you hang out with it. It has to be possible, you know? right? You know, but I don't know because the question, you know, when you make really good AI that's more and more like a person that has to start simulating free will or, or you know at least the compatibilistic version of free will you know and so and, and then and then how can it be so adaptive and yet also be intelligent and thinking and make be able to make decisions on its own and things like that that's actually a really that's something that's very complicated for me so dale would you uh, accept a house bot as opposed to a house boy uh, they have to get pretty good. I don't know. I, uh, I'm picky as it is, you know, with real live people. So, you know. Got a story here from know. CNNWorld.com, uh, or excuse me, CNN.com, Tokyo Man Marries Video Game Character. <laughs> uh, can't tell me. It can't happen. Right. And so, you know, it, it, so the thing with uh, the, imp, uh, the the problem with uh, that technology then is what what about when someone creates a virtual reality child you know okay virtual well, reality you know something that you know and, and and of course the answer for us is easy it's like well no one's being harmed you know it's it's not really anything going oh, on yeah there, but, i mean whatever but for a lot of people that you know what are you, are you going to encourage someone that, that might then go out and become you know i guess they'd be worried about encouraging someone that would then right. go out and actually harm a child or something like well that. they're gonna also they're gonna uh create through AI, they're going to create sort of thinking, feeling entities relatively quickly within, a, you know, a couple few decades. I think that you're going to have something like this. And so, I mean, you're going to have sort of beings that exist on the Internet. Um, they'll yeah, stick that's coming some of up in the article, in computers. Actually, in the not coming We'll get to article. that. We'll get to that. We still have two more to go, right? Two yep. more uh, futuristic laws that might be necessary. Uh, of course, not that we would necessarily agree, but it's been for some very interesting discussion here as we continue. And we'll, well take your calls. Well, yeah, it, it says, you know, you might say, oh, you know, it's a victimless crime, but you'd be wrong. Some people think otherwise, so. We'll come back with more and uh, continue in hour number three, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Bring up anything. Add to this discussion. Do whatever you want. 800-259-9231. Hour 3 on the way. This is Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. (laughs) 
This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the third hour of the program, inviting you to bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And we're going to continue here in a moment. Uh, we're going to continue Dale's story that you got from Cracked.com, the six laws that might be necessary in uh, the, the near distant future. And more kind of a question of what are some of the, the new technological advances that we're going to see happen? What kind of social uh, changes will that uh, result in? And uh, will there be new laws necessary for that? Of course, our answer probably would be no uh, that, uh, from a serious standpoint that. Uh, I would not like to see more new laws. I don't, I don't want to see them, but no. I'm sure that there'll be, you know, already new laws keep coming up for stupid 40, things. 40,000 I mean, in the last this, year. Look at the smoking device and new laws yeah. coming up for 40, it. 40,000 so. in, in the United States of America in the, in last, the last year. year. Alone, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, I, and but then again, as we also pointed out last hour, it's likely that in order to have a lot of these technological advances, like extended life uh, lifespans and things like that, that getting past the idea of government will be a very important step because there are certain and it's elements. Due. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think a lot of people. Um, I'm sure a lot of people don't understand my optimism. But I feel that it is coming. I have my reasons for for why I predict that it is coming up. That there's a there's the time is coming now where people will actually question the notion of where the government gets the authority that it claims. And that's at like they a should. fundamental. That's at the foundation of what's keeping this apparatus of destruction going. <laughs> so um, well, I, I think I, that people want better customer service, and there's no organization worse at providing customer service and, and, than and, the government. I mean, their their solution for a customer service problem is to throw somebody in jail and if they don't like that and that's because they can and so they have that that, that's where the authority has to be questioned for that to change it's because they can yeah it's because they have this ultimate power i have a similar um, authority so i I have i have a similar optimism that i think that uh that that humans are moving towards more liberty and i think that uh you know now in today's technological world that things move more quickly and i think that we are yeah the memes travel more quickly that's where my a lot of my optimism comes from and i'm looking at me i'm I'm looking at the well, sorry, the, oh, sorry, an idea that, that is contagious, you know, an idea spreading, you know, and, and, and it can you know, it could be good or bad, but a meme can be good or bad, but it's an idea that spreads and, can, and is contagious and, and grows. So, so with the sex bots, uh, you know, there is, you know, the, the, the idea that, um, for instance, Christopher Hanley was charged with possession of child porn and bestiality porn drawings. So the, the images didn't have any real children. Was just this the, the manga ones? A manga, yeah, manga yeah. drawings, and he was arrested for it. So, uh, and it gets ten outrageous. Times, ten times more complicated when you have sex bots that are intelligent and qualify for human rights. And then, what if the sex bot isn't in the mood? Is it then rape? And, what if it's a child so sex bot? Right, and this is um, right. th- this is something I, I absolutely believe is going to happen because some people like the whole um, you know the whole rape thing as a uh, as a sexual. You know, outlet or whatever, and some people will simulate it with their partners, and and some of their partners like it, and it's all very weird. And then and then you throw in the the weird pedophile curveball to this. And if if you do have sex robots out there, I think that within a relatively short period of time, I'm talking about months, not years, you're gonna see the um you know the screaming, fleeing child sex robot, rape sex robot out there. Because you know you have, some pedophile pe- pedophile will want the child that goes ah. 
Pedro tries to run away and they can grab him well, and do whatever most, they want to do. I don't think pedophile. I don't think it'll happen that fast <laughs> if it does happen because that's going to be. I mean, what company is going to want that PR? I don't know. There's a lot of but companies. That people issue, just don't yeah. care, man. There's a lot of. Well, first of all, the, the the term pedophile is a lover of children. We've interviewed a pedophile on this show extensively, actually. So it's it's very uh, it's very unlikely that pedophiles would be the ones. Uh, oh come on, those man. Are rapists. You know what the Mark, term you're means. You're talking about a rapist, right? You know exactly yeah. what I mean here. Well, I know what you I know what you mean. I'm just just that's saying. what the terminology pedophile. They're talking about love in a physical sense. You understand? Sex, child, sex haver is what they're talking about. Well, that's not what that's not what the I'm just trying to recall recount what the the pedophile that we had on the show said, which and was a strange, strange interview. I'm sorry. Um, you know, it was no, a very honest interview. It, I thought a guy that wants to have sex with young children is not a child lover. Sorry, he's not. He doesn't love children. He's a sick, disgusting loser. What I'm telling you is that not all pedophiles want to have sex with young children. That's what I'm telling you. Sorry, the ru- the word is ruined. Why are you trying to okay. save it? Well, I'm not trying to say, but I'm just pointing out that they're not all necessarily rapists. Uh, 800-259-9231. That's what it means to people. So the, the, that actually leads into number two, which is legally redefining slavery. Because once you have AI and you have robots that are intelligent enough to pass for human and so on, then now you have to start thinking about do they have rights? Right. If 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 a robot has a personality, if, um, you know, at what point does uh, mimicking a personality become an actual personality? When the when the robot says, you know, I want to be free and be able to go where I want and go to the mall and have <laughs> ice cream and and meet with other robots like me. I mean, when they say that, w- at what point are they mimicking what a real person would do? And at what point are they actually real people? And what rights do they have at that point? Mm-hmm. It's weird stuff, but it's gonna have it's it's an issue we that the that humans will have to deal with. I think uh, w- w- was there more? Yeah, um, well, there's there's it, there's extrapolation on that. Okay. <laughs> so the how long will it be until robots are as smart as a person? Uh, twenty twenty nine, according to somewhat crazy Ray Kurzweil. So twenty twenty nine. Yeah, that guy's pretty visionary. I, I would have to say from what I've heard <laughs> of what, from what I've read of uh, Kurzweil. Yeah, uh, and, and uh, Michael Swain says it's already happening, uh, although he's described as outright crazy. <laughs> <laughs> one, thing is und- one thing is undeniable. If the present rate of progress continues, computer progress. processing progress. <laughs> this is what happens when I try to read. Telling, telling the the <laughs> if the present rate of progress continues, computer processing power will surpass the brain of man in 2030 and woman in 2038. Oh God, that's funny. <laughs> so yeah, the idea is we will have to at some point consider the feelings of robots. So, uh, and uh, the UK government already paid for a study to examine the problem of AI rights. They did. When yes. An, when does an AI fit the legal definition of a person? When does a government so stupid that they're going to do studies on things that they have no idea about? I mean. <laughs> What if the experts predicting humans will be able to upload their minds to computers by 2050 are correct? Will those uploads be considered people? What's the difference? So Everybody's doing the math. Will I make... Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I'll be 70. <laughs> okay. Oh, I did the math. I can make me. it. I'm like, oh, I need to, maybe I need to work out a little more I'll and be watch my diet. Just make it just long enough. If I do make it. Remember, hump, don't you know. forget I smoked <laughs> for years, decades. 
Oh, they might have some sort of lung cleaning technology by that point. Mark. Well, maybe you know, I, I've I've quit early enough. It's possible my lungs will will survive. Yeah. Um. Anyway, you know, George Burns it. made it to a hundred, and he smoked all the way up to the end. George Burns smoked cigars, and you don't really he didn't get in, mouth cancer. You don't inhale much mouth can- cancer. I'm, you know, I kids don't smoke, but mouth cancer largely overblown compared to lung cancer. Okay. Um. Your your mouth can handle smoke a heck of a lot better than it uh, you know, <laughs> does uh, than your lungs can. I love this last line actually in this in this on number two in this section. It says, "So what's the protocol when the next generation of super smart predator predator drones refuse to go into battle because they've calculated that pacifism works better?" I think that they fi- will find that. <laughs> That'd be great. You know, I, I you know that's something that we that the liberty movement is having this really heated battle over it. Well, I'm experiencing it anyway. There's, you know, there's a, you know, several of us have, have gotten very interested in, in the Quaker uh, process and we've been exploring alternatives to violence and it's sort of, it's at, really at the core of libertarian philosophy anyway, at least, yeah. you know, the whole idea of not initiating violence. And so there's this, this um, long, sta- long heated debate about people who are uh, suggesting that violence is not going to solve the problem whether it's even if it's defensive you know you know what you know, if it's justified and yeah. defensive violence I, i'm having that debate with myself constantly yeah I don't, constantly. i'm done i'm done with the debate <laughs> i'm <laughs> over it <laughs> i do not believe violence is going to solve it defensive justified or otherwise so i'm with you dale 800 800-259-9231 that's the SACL cai toll free line you can bring up whatever's on your mind take control of the airwaves this is free talk live Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. They include the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send us their validated photo or video to show they are indeed listeners of the program. You can go to shrine.freetalklive.com. See them for yourself at shrine.freetalklive.com. You can learn about public policy internships by going to libertarianinternships.com. You can learn about public policy by interning in state or federal policy organizations. It's the Charles G. G. Koch Summer Fellowship Program. It includes an opening week-long policy seminar, an eight-week paid summer internship, paid summer internship, and a closing seminar and weekly policy lectures. Uh, every, it's You can choose from 70 different organizations in Washington, D.C. and state policy networks all across the United States. And all you have to do uh, is go check it out at uh, libertarianinternships.com. Obviously, uh, being in college age is, uh, is a criteria for uh, this internship. But um, if you are that age group, it would be good for you. libertarianinternships.com. 
All right, so we continue here. We're going to go to the final one of the six laws that may be necessary in the future, uh, when it, you know the technologically advanced future. So we'll hold on to that last one. Well, let's go to the phones instead. Joe is listening in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Joe. Hi, this is Joe from New York. I have a question for Ian. Yes, Joe. Why do you on occasion seem to imply that uh, sexual contact between children and adults is acceptable? Uh, Well, I think that uh, people can consent to the behavior they would like to engage in. What do you believe the age of consent to be? Uh, I think that it's whenever you're able to make that, uh, that decision for yourself. So, in other words, according to you, say, I don't know, a six-year-old, they could uh, consent. They could decide to consent to sexual contact with an adult. I think that it's really, uh, while I might find that reprehensible personally, uh, it's really none of my business. So you don't think that would that, you don't think that would be a crime? I can tell you, sir, that uh, I engaged in sexual contact with uh, with a uh, somebody who was sixteen when I was ten, and I uh, was pe- eleven. People would call. Whatever. I don't remember exactly what year it happened, but I was pretty darn young, and uh, and I was fully able to uh, to, uh, to make that decision for myself. Would you call that a crime? Absolutely. Of course, it's a crime. Why? Children don't children don't have the developmental ability to consent. I mean, that that is just a clear, obvious fact, and it's it's simply disturbing that you wouldn't understand that. But I I have an idea on why you might not, and that's because many abuse victims due to the psychological trauma of the abuse, uh, make up excuses for their abuser and basically blame themselves. Oh, no, I don't feel like I was abused. I consented. You understand that? See, this is a, this is what's very insulting to me, that you can sit there and say, well, you were too young. You didn't know what the hell you were doing. You're 10 years old. You can't make those decisions. That was illegal what happened. That was a crime. And I'm telling you, Joe, that I absolutely knew what I was doing. I made the choice to climb out of my window at night. I made the choice to climb in uh, his window. And I made the choice to uh, to engage in the activities I engaged in. Not him. He didn't force me into it. He got video games out of it. Ian, Ian, that's a totally ridiculous idea. You're fooling yourself. And I it's ridiculous you, that I am a, uh, an highly, individual who can make choices? Let him finish. Not at 11 years old. I highly suggest you see the psychiatrist, Dr. Ross. His website is <laughs> rossinst.com. And, and if, if you find that challenging to believe, perhaps your co-host may want to consider you know, what you're making the Liberty Movement and your own show look like in, in saying these utterly criminal Oh, what I'm topics. making the movement look like by being honest about myself and my life and my choices. It, well, wait, wait, wait a second. Joe, um, I, I, I agree. It infuriates me, by I, the way. I, I agree with you that, that, that this it, it disturbs me when he talks about stuff like this. And, 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 and I've been on the show for a long time now. And, um, you know, I, I wonder to myself the same things that you've asked. Now, I would never level an ac- accusation at him like that, but I wonder, you know, like how did his uh, gay, prost- you know, child, child prostitution uh, affect his decision-making skills today? But I guess I have to ask some questions. So, uh, like, what Maybe occur- it made me a little more open-minded toward the ability of young people to be able to make decisions you for themselves. You sound open-minded right now. Um, and, and, you know, but what I have to ask Joe, I have to ask you some questions. So um, he made some decisions, and let's call it 10 years old. He had previously said 11, so it probably spanned a, a period of months, and maybe it, it crossed that, uh, that p- particular Possibly. arbitrary boundary. What if he, um, the, the, the individual that he decided to have sex with um, at that time, and I believe a 10-year-old can decide to do something, 
But um, I, I also don't think that they necessarily no know what the um, repercussions are of their actions of everything. What if that person had been 11? Would that be rape? Absolutely. So two, two, what? two 11-year-olds. Oh, wait, oh, wait a minute. You're saying, you're saying two 11-year-olds. Oh, yeah. I'm right. sorry. And a 10-year-old and an 11-year-old decide to have um, sex with each other. Because in, in this case, a 10-year-old and a 16-year-old decided to do that, right? So I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure out what your boundaries are. And you, what you've got to remember, Joe, is that everybody has different boundaries. Mine sounds similar to yours, but I'm just trying to figure out what yours are. Because there's people out there that are bat s crazy on this issue. On both sides. Well, well uh, you know, it, it it depends on what they did, what the circumstances were. You know, were they, you know, that would be a matter for, uh, you know, a doctor or someone else to, to take a look at. But uh, if, if they were involved in activities of the type that Ian has previously discussed, yeah, I'd have to say it's rape. Well, even who raped they, whom? Even if, they, even if they were two 11-year-olds. But who raped whom? Thing. That's a really hard the, thing the, to the grasp, one, the idea the one, that there's the rape who, when there's the, two children. The one who starts it's not really an advantage. Starts uh, it. I mean, I I, I, I find it very disturbing the idea of I, I do find it very disturbing the idea of an adult, ta- you know, because because children are taught that adults are authority figures and that they're supposed to do as they're told, and so I do find it very disturbing the idea of an adult using that and taking advantage of a child, and I think there is so much potential for exploitation there, and uh, and so I do uh, I do definitely emotionally relate to what you're saying. What concerns me when you say you want to like you just you say well what's the age of consent and that's this arbitrary number who gets to decide that is the question it's, I, that it's comes to mind. It's not arbitrary whatsoever. It's it's well established. There's what? Been, uh, there's what been are all you talking about? Be... In Canada, it was 14 for the longest well, time. As, as long as different people, you know, the problem is different people are going to always disagree on it. And you might, you know, you may have some very good scientific studies to point out, and those would be good things to use as evidence for trying to figure things like that out. But then the question is, like, you know, if I don't, believe, I don't believe in a state. To me, that's a religion that doesn't make any sense. And so I don't believe in like this this entity that has authority to to establish these arbitrary numbers. And so I would look at that and say, okay, I recognize there's a problem here with the potential for adults to exploit children who are not in a, you know, in a position to de- defy their authority over them that they feel they have over them and things like that. That's an, that's an attitude I'd like to dispel. I think it would be healthier for protecting children is getting, get this notion out of their minds that they must obey all adults. You know? that's a, I don't think that's a healthy thing for a child. I think that we need to teach them better self-respect to begin with. But my concern is how do we address this problem uh, without a state, which I see as a fictional entity. So, and, 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 and I think at some point we have to allow, you know, place, put the burden of responsibility back on parents to protect their children. The, the way you address problems like that is through the free market. Now, here's a question I have for you guys. How many people in the free state movement have a similar uh, mentality to Ian on this issue? I would say it's probably minimal. Um, uh, you know that that that's my opinion. I think that most people in the Free State Project movement would be. Consi- How do we know? Most people wouldn't it's, talk it's just about a guess. this. Um, right? They, yeah, they most people are afraid to talk about it if they did feel. I'll tell you what, Joe. We'll bring it back here in a moment. Hang on, if you don't mind. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Because I've got some questions for Joe about what he's defining as rape. Uh, there wasn't actually any intercourse that went on in my situation. Was that rape? It's Free Talk Live. 
DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com, and the features include our updates. You can go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list and you'll be kept in the loop via email whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to updates.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live has uh, t- teamed up with uh, Midas Resources to bring you the best prices on gold and silver that we can find anywhere on the Internet. Uh, we have uh, U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves. And you can go see the whole bevy of uh, the array at gold.freetalklive.com. That's gold.freetalklive.com. All right, so we continue. I think we still have Joe on the line here in New York, and I know that, Mark, you had something you wanted to get out that you weren't able to get out in the last segment. I had some questions for Joe. Joe, you originally called in uh, to ask me about my belief system in regards to young people uh, or, uh, you know, very young people and their ability or inability to consent to sexual activity. I say that uh, they can. You say they can't. Uh, however, you said that you think that the free market should be able to handle it. And, of course, I agree with you on that point. I think that uh, if people are doing things that you disagree with, you're fully within your uh, your rights to ostracize them for that sort of thing. Uh, but if uh, if two people are saying they consented, I don't think that you should be putting anybody in jail personally. I think it depends if they have the ability to consent or not. That's the whole point. Okay, so then you don't want to leave it to the free market. You do want to put people in jail cells then, right? Well, I mean, I think you're twisting words and putting it that way. I mean, I think that the free market can find answers to this solution, and I, I think that'll be done in the future. I think it will evolve. But, uh, you know, I think I just wanted to call up and, and, you know, mention this, what to me sounds like obvious fact, and I, I think it's something that, I mean, I, I, how could this not hurt your show? How could this not hurt the Liberty Movement? Oh, I think it, that, I, you know, I think that it has hurt the show. I think that this very conversation has lost us an advertiser that we, you know, that we had for for quite some time. Um, and I try to get Ian, we have had this conversation on and off the air that I don't want him to ever talk about this issue. But um, Oh, well, I'll just talk about it more then. Right, because he's a, he's a stubborn guy. and I think it's an important could, I, issue. He needs to see a psychiatrist. End of story. Well, I, 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 I'm going to disagree with you there. I know Ian personally, and and one thing that came up uh, about Ian, uh, sort of in, in a private conversation with me and my friends, um, was that he seems, you know, unusually well adjusted. Like like uh, one of the most happiest, sort of calm, taking things in stride kind of people I know. And so I don't. I don't see any reason for him to ha- to go see a psychologist to get fixed, you know, yeah, to thank get you. repaired. So, so, so you don't you don't believe believe that him espousing a, a view 
you, you don't believe in him saying on the radio that uh, six-year-olds can have sex with adults? You don't think that's a reason to see a psychiatrist? Joe, I've just talked to you, and I like I. Um, He's I, expressing something that he that he believes. He may be wrong about that, and like I said, it may be disturbing to me. But no, I, I didn't don't think say they should. Hold on a second, Joe. I didn't say they should have sex with adults. I said I might find that reprehensible, but it's none of my damn business. Personally, I think that young people can make decisions for themselves. But Mark, you had a question you wanted to ask, right? Joe. Well, Joe, it's a continuum here, and um. You know, I asked you a question, which was, uh, you know, whether a, an 11-year-old and a 10-year-old could consent to have sex with each other, and you said that you believed that it was the initiator's uh, fault of, you know, whatever this he called it rape crime, this actually, rape yeah. that was rape that for the initiator tried to do such a thing. And I, in my experience, um, I had a little uh, a young girl that was uh, two grades younger than me that lived next door to me, and she attempted to initiate something like that. Okay, um, how old were you? I, I must have been about 10 or 11 or something like that. And, and she was? She would have been two years younger two than years I. Two years younger, okay. And um, so I, I guess what you're suggesting is that this nine-year-old girl should have been in, put in prison for rape, right? Well, you know, that that's what you do with child offenders, how you approach it, what would you do with it. That's a totally separate question than, the you know, so whether it's a or continuum. not. It's a continuum um, here, you... Joe. It, it, wait a second, Tail. Um, it's a, because what I'm asking you is... In Ian's case, it was a 10-year-old and a 16-year-old. You've decided that the 16-year-old's an adult, and I kind of agree. Like I, the, To me, I find this whole situation that, that Ian participated in very disturbing. But he, like he's walked away from it, and what he says to himself, and I think it's a powerful position, is like I made those decisions. That's how it was for me. And I, so I, I question I've, – I've had to step back and question everything that I think about this particular issue. And um, you know, I, so I'm asking you some questions here, and, 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 and like I, I, I wonder whether you're willing to think about it at all. Can I add to that, too? And I think it's totally in line with the questions you're asking him. You just called the child an offender when you said that they can't consent. And how can that child who's unable to consent at the exact same age as the other child or a year apart, how can they be, a, 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 how can they be an offender when they can't possibly know that it's wrong? Here's another way to, to look at that that would help, it, help explain it. And, and, of course, children are different than adults. So a child offender is uh, different than an adult offender. But, say, for example, say a, a child was brought up in an extremely physically abusive environment and had been taught to, say, hit people, even hit them with baseball bats, brutally hurt them. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, that would be totally unusual, but let's just say hypothetical that that happened. And this child brought up like that one day goes out and, and clocks some other kid with a baseball cat, a bat and severely hurts them. Now, did that child commit a crime? Well, obviously, yes. Now, what you do with that child afterwards, that's kind of a different story. You know, do you send him to uh, doctors? Do you have him, do you punish him somehow? Well, that's more debatable. But, you know, the question of whether it is a crime or not is, is not debatable. Well, uh, that's not, the, I understand that analogy falls apart, though, really badly, because you're talking about, like, someone hurting someone else. In the case of the adult with a child, I can understand the 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 disturbing part of that is that that child, that adult can take advantage of their authority position and their and just sheer physical power to convince the child to do something they might not otherwise have done. And so they can exploit the child. But another child the same age, that doesn't apply. And so, and again, you're calling that child an offender, like whoever initiated it, that person, that one's an offender, but it doesn't, it doesn't, that situation doesn't apply. So it's not that, it's not an it, exploitation it, it, anymore. It depends, it depends on the circumstances. 
Now, uh, suppose uh, a child was, you know, basically uh, severely sexually abused growing up. They could have been conditioned to carry out that abuse on other children. And, uh, you know, if they carry that out, that, that's a crime. They, I, I can see what you're I can see. I can see what you're saying. But the situation that was presented to you wasn't presented like that. I mean, on its uh, just on its just just presented as it was an 11 year old and a 10 year old engage in consensual activity, you know, sort of exploring sexual exploration or something. Uh, and who did and what to who's whom? the rapist? And you say whoever initiated well, I'm, it. I'm, I'm, saying it but, I'm saying it depends. It depends on the circumstances, what they're doing. Like, for example, you know, are they running around naked? Are they doing something like that? Well, that's one thing. But if they're, if, you know, if they're below a certain age, which is probably about, say, 11 or 12, somewhere around there, and uh, then they carry out actual sexual acts, then it's basically pretty much certain that uh, that one child is uh, doing some perpetration, perpetration, reenacting something that's already happened to him. I don't, I don't I, think that's it. The maybe, case. maybe they got to see something on, um, you know, in naughty books or on the internet or something like that. What is the, when does the rape something out? What, I, what uh, I'd like to know is when the rape happens uh, in your mind, Joe. Let's take the scenario with the the two eleven year olds, uh, two eleven year olds, uh, I guess playing. Uh, is it when they both get naked together? I think it, it's when uh, sexual acts take place, for example, uh, penetration or acts or, involving uh, oral genitalia. Oral sex? I, I would say yes. Okay, I, what, I about a, what about, uh, what about uh, manip- digital manipulation? What about uh, using one's uh, hand on another's? I, I think that would be rape. That's, ra- that's rape. Well, yeah, even it, though it sounds it's like consensual. playing doctor. To Two me. kids, no adults involved, and they touch each other. See now, Joe, you're I would that rape, and you know, you're saying that that would not possibly happen without a, them reenacting yeah. something. It's, it's I ludicrous. don't buy that. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, thank you, Joe, for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. I think uh, people like Joe are ruining the liberty movement by their level of intolerance towards other people's sexual decisions. Eight hundred. I think it's a shocking issue, and it's yeah. very difficult for people to put uh, to, to, to address. And I think that uh, you know maybe you should consider that when you bring it up. Toll free numbers eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You can uh, uh, you can bring up anything here. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We continue here. You can call in about absolutely anything. Let's go to Preston in New Jersey. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Preston. Preston? Hi, gentlemen. How you doing tonight? Super. Thanks for taking my call. What's on your mind tonight, Preston? Um, I'm one of the young men that has been uh, protesting for fathers' uh, rights. It's a, um, a nonprofit group that tries to bring public awareness uh, to the courthouses, and I'm also personally involved. I have a three-year-old daughter who I helped give birth to uh, with the doctor, and um, you know I didn't see my daughter for Christmas or her birthday, December 2nd. And I've been protesting in front of the courthouse in Woodbury. In fact, I called you gentlemen uh, one time prior, I guess about three months ago, maybe. And, uh, you know, I'm a veteran. I serve my country honorably. And it really blows my mind. I always was never into conspiracy theories, um, thought this is a land of the free, home of the brave. And it just seems like our Constitution is trampled on. It seems like we don't have a freedom of speech. Case in point today, 
I ended up getting arrested. And in fact, I just got released from the hospital. I was arrested at 1 p.m. by sheriff deputies, and they felt it necessary to cause contusions to my body and to threaten me, of which I'm going to take action tomorrow, legal action. But still, it's the point. Wow. What were you doing at the time, just outside the courthouse or something? Uh, Yes, I was. And actually, I actually had a case today. So when I went into my case, I I quit smoking. I I, I was a heavy smoker, a chain smoker. And my my fiancé got me a gift called a blue cigarette. It's a smokeless cigarette. There's no uh, smoke involved. It's a water vapor. Yeah, we were talking um, about them earlier tonight, actually, by coincidence. Yeah, and um, the sheriff officer told me there's no smoking in the courthouse. You're one of those effing protesters. I said, actually, sir, there's no law against this. I'm not violating any statute, any ordinance, any law. And from there, they proceeded to tackle me on the ground Uh while everything's on camera. And I mean to tell you, they they were just the way they manhandled me. I mean, they were bashing my head inside the uh, courthouse into Mm. the wall. And, you know, I can handle myself. Like I said, I'm a veteran, but it gets to a point where you can't win fighting these people. I mean, they, they, you know, and they had the lieutenant parading me around down the stairs saying, we finally got you. We finally got you. And, uh, you know, it's just, um, it's like, they're really winners now. Yeah, they sure are winners. And they issued me two tickets, one to failure to obey instruction and disorderly (laughs) persons, you know, so. Yeah, they're uh, they're favorites. they, they love pulling yeah, those they, out when they don't actually have a real crime to uh, to charge somebody with. Well, it's funny because I broke no law. I wasn't loud. Right. And I wasn't offensive. Apparently, the they can just the give you whatever instructions they want to, and if you don't do them, uh, then you've broken their rules. So if they tell you to do some jumping jacks, uh, apparently you have to. You're obligated to do them all of a sudden, right? Yeah, what a free society we live on. Right. I, mean, I have to deal with them spitting at me, you know, and other protesters when we we demonstrate honk for equal uh, custody. It's nothing terrorist. They they were questioning me if I had firearms. They were they were trying to get a warrant to search my residence today because I'm a veteran. They asked me if I'm a terrorist or member of any militia. Mm. Uh, they were asking well, me who they, I'm a with. Because you're a with. veteran, they wanted to search your place. Yeah, they wanted, well, I made a comment to them that this is not a free country anymore, that this is like Gestapo tactics, and I'm a veteran, I serve my country honorably, and I don't think that once my friends who I serve with find out how you're handling me, they're going to be appreciative. And from there, they went on to, are you a member of any terrorist group? Are you a terrorist? Do you belong to any militia? I mean, it was just like fairy tale. You know, they memorized, uh, read me my rights, and then at that point started questioning me. And I said, I don't have to say nothing to you. I haven't broken any laws. So, Preston, have the, have they scared you off? Are you going to stop protesting now? Oh, absolutely not. I'm not going to stop <laughs> protesting. In, in fact, the last time you and I spoke, sir, you had mentioned, and I didn't write it down, I was driving, you had mentioned uh, some website or something about moving with like-minded people. You had said... And I might be wrong. I think you said it was one of the New England states. It wasn't yeah. Maine. New it Hampshire. Was like New Hampshire. Yeah, liberty, hmm. liberty-loving people are are moving to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. It's freestateproject.org. The prerequisite, of course, is that you have to believe the the you have to sign their statement of intent, which says you believe the maximum role of government should be the protection of life, liberty, and the pursuit of property. Uh, I, for one, am a voluntarist. I have no interest in, in government whatsoever. But as long as you understand that in order to be free, you have to let others be free as well. Uh, it's something. You might want to look into at freestateproject.org. 
freestateproject.org. I'm going to get on as soon as the end of this phone call. But I think that this country is being trampled on our Constitution, our rights, our liberties, and it's it's uh, it's like a police state. It really is. I think you're right about I mean, that. Although I would I would correct you on a couple of things, uh, just minor nitpicks. It's not your Constitution. You never signed it. It was theirs. He took and, an oath to it. Uh, well, yeah, I guess you did take an oath mm-hmm. to it. But uh, but it, for generally, it's the government people's, not mine. I didn't sign it. I didn't agree to it. And they don't even. You're right. They don't uphold it. They don't honor it. They don't follow it. So if they don't follow their rules, why should we follow them? Thanks, Preston, for the call I tonight. I pre- free, what was that? Uh, free, state, free, free, state, that? free State Project. Freestate.org? No, no. Freestateproject.org. Freestateproject.org. You got Thank it, Preston. You, Thanks for the call. Sorry to hear about your story out there, but it's not becoming... That is That kind of a story is not uncommon, where the police just acting like just out-and-out thugs without even bothering to hide their thuggery anymore. They just don't care. They can get away with it, and they know it. Let's continue with, uh, I believe we have Josh in Massachusetts. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Josh, on the amp line. Hey, guys. How you doing? This hey. is Josh from the Federal Crime. Oh, hey, Josh Noon from uh, joshnoon.com. That's right. Hey, what's on your mind you tonight? Doing tonight? Good, good. Hey, I'm calling about uh, uh, marriage licenses. My uh, fiance Lauren, and I are getting married in August. And um, we're uh, we're not really we don't want to get a marriage license. Cause, oh, uh, good on you! <laughs> it's release, so funny you, know? you bring that up because I was just thinking tonight once again, like that I would never like you know get a I would never want a state marriage. I don't want the state involved. And in, why would you want the state to mess up what you've got? You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean they mess up everything else, really. It seems. So what's the issue? Yeah. I mean, it sounds good so far. You're both against the idea of state marriage. Well, the issue is. Um, um, it's kind of more of a parental issue, mm. and uh, uh, we're uh, having a you know a decent uh, wedding. Yeah, they're not against the idea; they're just more uncomfortable with it. Yeah, of course they're. And um, we want to kind of ease their minds and let them know that uh, their concerns, you know, while valid, are really uh, they're not an issue. Are, are um, you going to write up your own marriage contract by possible? Yeah, that, you think that would help? Okay. Did you mention to them um, uh, that George and Martha Washington didn't have a marriage uh, certificate and that marriage certificates are a relatively new document and that marriage certificates were brought out by and large to uh, limit races from marrying together? So they've always been an exclusionary document of control by the state. Have you mentioned any of these things? Well, I wish I could worry like you do. Every time uh, her father talks to me, I I, I really – Love and like and respect the guy and her whole yeah. family. They're really great people. But um, every time they talk to me, I kind of get a little choked up and don't know what to say. So we've decided to write everything down, the pros and cons, and any questions. Uh, and we're trying to answer any questions that they may have. And um, we've only come to a couple that seem to be that we can't cover. And uh, one is um, um, by, uh, let's see, claiming the marital communications privilege in court, which means that the court can't force you to disclose Contents of confidential communications between you, your spouse, uh, you and your spouse during marriage. And the only concern we have with that is we haven't been able to find any cases where someone without a marriage license has gone into court and um, been challenged with that. I, I, I've I've done uh, you know had to participate in legal um, actions while married, and not one time has the court asked me for my marriage license. Um, a marriage is just it, it, it's kind of like a high school diploma. A marriage license is like a high school diploma. You act like you've got one, you've got one, 
And, um, you know, nobody questions this thing because it's such a common thing. So um, and, and, and many people from different countries wouldn't have documentation for marriage either. So, yeah, uh, I know. you know, if you went to, I don't know, Pago Pago, I don't know, I'm just making something up. Somebody from Pago Pago is probably going to call. But, um, you know, you went to Pago Pago and you got married on the beach there in uh, the beautiful South Pacific, wherever Pago Pago is. And, uh, you know, you may or may not have a document to approve that you, in fact, are the loving spouse of this individual. Josh, what was the second issue? Because we're short on time. Okay, yeah. Well, the second issue, um, well, not really an issue. I would like to hear from um, other people. We set up an email address. It's called nolicensewedding at gmail.com. And if anybody has any experience um, with not having marriage license, and uh, positive or negative, please let us know. That's, That's excellent. Um, nolicensewedding at gmail.com. That's correct. Plug it on Facebook, too. I'll bet you get people uh, to go there from, from, from Facebook. Yeah, if you start a Facebook group, yeah, I'll yeah. join it because that's a subject I'm interested in. I just can't. I just, you know, especially lately now in New Hampshire, gay marriage is legal. Hey, they, J- Josh, one. will you keep us in the loop and let us know how this develops and, you know, how the family's handling it and as things goes, things uh, approach towards August? Yeah, we'll do, guys, and um, I'll see you at the Liberty Forum with the band, hopefully. Thank you, Excellent. dude. Appreciate it. He rocks, by the yeah, way. Josh yeah, Noon. Really. Great That's band. N-O-O-N-E, joshnoon.com. More uh, tomorrow night. See you online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as 3 bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. It's another installment of the Edgington Post interview series. And I'm, this is Mark Edgington. And today I've got uh, with me is uh, Dennis Goddard uh, from the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. And Andy uh, is Andy. What's your how do you pronounce your last name? Because I've got a way in my mind I pronounce it, but I, I prefer you say it first. It's Demers, but you can say Demers if you want. It really doesn't matter. OK, good. <laughs> I've been saying it right all along. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think actually I'm the one that says it wrong, but whatever. <laughs> Probably true. So um, what today's discussion is going to be about is uh, sort of uh, some of the successes that uh, the, the folks that are working very hard in the political process for liberty here in the state of New Hampshire have had. And Dennis, you spoke to me on the phone about you had just gotten out of uh, some kind of, you know, disgusting government committee where they're talking about uh, uh, FIJA outreach or FIJA and um, how that may very well be law. A fully informed jury, a fully informed jury might be the law here in New Hampshire shortly. Well, I'm I'm not sure I'd go that far. We got to take this in, uh, you know, in context. Two years ago, which is the most recent time. A fully informed jury bill came up. It, you know, the way that it works in New Hampshire, it goes to a committee. The committee makes a recommendation whether it ought to pass or not. Wait, wait, wait. And then the whole house. Sorry, I, I just want to, um, you know, point out that, you know, for the people in the other 49 states and around the world, when was the last time a bill for the, a fully informed jury, and let's explain what that is real quick, came up in your state or uh, country? Sure. So, so a fully informed jury. Um, as it turns out, and most people don't know this, probably they went to government school, government schools haven't been you know, keeping up to, to tack with these things. It turns out, it comes all the way back from the Magna Carta, that a jury has the right, in fact, the responsibility to judge both the facts of the case 
did so-and-so, in fact, do the thing that is against the law, and also to judge whether the law itself is just. And if the law itself is not just, the juror may find the defendant innocent because the law was bad. And this is the way, for example, that prohibition, largely one of the reasons that prohibition failed in this country and was eventually repealed is because they knew they could get the barkeeper they knew they could bring him, to, you know, they could arrest him, they could bring him up before a trial of, you know, before a jury of his peers, and they could say, you know, we guarantee we can prove that you own the liquor, we can prove that you are selling the liquor, and all the people on the jury just go, mm-hmm, that's right, he sold liquor, and no, no problem, no, no fault, no guilt. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, I think that the prohibition, that what happened during prohibition uh, with the fully informed jury is, um, Basically, people don't know that juries can make this decision that the law is bad, and that's really why it had started going away because, well, it it really has become a nation of laws, and um, those laws stink by and large. <laughs> so um, they don't want uh, the average citizen believing that they have any kind of ability to you know, uh, react against those laws. And, you know, for us libertarians or for people like me who are more anarchists, you know, we, we tend to be so far into this that we forget that the average Joe has no idea what the hell we're talking about with this stuff, so they don't have that sense of righteous indignation burning in their soul. And so they're hearing this for the first time, and they go, what the hell is that? And then what happens? You know, so first of all, you know, the good news is the state of New Hampshire, any legislator can submit a bill, any bill they want, and that bill has to be heard by the entire 400-member House. It has to be debated on the House floor. It cannot be shut down in committee, no matter what anyone says. Okay, right. So that's a good thing. We can inf- we can we can educate these 400 people. Um, but you know, the other aspect of it is that in every state, when you put up a bill like that, who do you get coming and testifying against it? Well, you get people like judges and attorneys general and all kinds of state bureaucrats like that. And, um, you know, one of the things that's beautiful about New Hampshire is that we have the Liberty Alliance. And I think today a lot of people who maybe never came to the State House before, never saw how this process works, you know, if the only experience you have in politics is going to a rally and chanting, you think, well, gee, that's not very, you know, what, what, what the hell is that? That's politics? No, that's not. Ninety-nine percent of what happens is in one of these little committee rooms where there's about 20 people on the committee none of whom are experts, none of whom know really, all, all they have going for them is they were popular enough to get elected, and that's all they've got going for them. They were popular enough to get elected. Mm-hmm. And now for the first time ever, they're hearing about this thing holding a fully informed jury, right? Right. And so when a, a bureaucrat, like a judge, and we had one come today, a judge comes and sits down before them and says, well, I'm the Honorable Judge Lynn, and I can, you know, let me first make something clear. This isn't a right. It's a power. And start using all these weasel words and judge words. One of the things that the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance does is we help people know how to combat these people in public testimony, where what happens is one side talks and someone from the other side talks and someone from the other side talks, and you each get a chance to say your piece. And the people who are sitting there on the committee, who are these nice people that can get elected that don't really know what the hell's going on, frankly, if you can manage to sound, you know, not like a raving lunatic, but sound like this is actually the responsible thing, and so I can, in my case, I came up and I said, well, you know, I am not going to, I don't have a doctor of jurisprudence, and I am not going to contradict Judge Lynn, who came up and talked to you. But I would note that the first Chief Justice of the United States, John Jay, 
quote, in you know, this state of Georgia versus Brailsford 1794 said, quote, you have a right to blah, blah, blah. And he used the word right there. Mm-hmm. And that just knocks the knees out from underneath this all-powerful judge. And all of a sudden, all the people on the committee are saying, huh, well, sounds like he got trumped. Right. Yeah, sounds that way. John Jay says you're wrong. Um, from a legal standpoint, you sound like you're wrong. And you know, something, something that happened today that I'm very excited about. You know, when, when this happened two years ago, this fully informed jury bill, it came out of committee 15 to one against. It yeah, came so. out a no hoper and it died. Now, a difference between two years ago and today. Today, this time, we were organized. Last time, two years ago, we were so busy fighting on things like real ID, which, mm-hmm. frankly, is a bigger fight. We didn't have the throughput or the manpower to fight for jury nullification. Well, now real ID is put to bed. We've done that. We're done. We won. We're not going to have real ID here. So we can move on to the next thing. And what happened? One of the committee members, and it's actually several committee members mentioned this. They said, you know, look. And they asked one of the people who were testifying against the bill. They said, look. We got truckloads of email. We got email after email after email from New Hampshire constituents who are telling us that this is a good bill and that it sounds reasonable to us. I mean, don't you have a right to know what your rights are? Sounds and that way. So they're on, I, I don't know what the number's going to be, and frankly, I'll be surprised if we convince half of them to go our way. But I can tell you what, there's no way it's going to be 15 to 1 against. And that means we have enough ammunition to have a really good floor fight. And I would say there's a chance. Is it likely we're going to win? No, I think we've got less than a 50% chance. But every time we do this, we come out better. And there's more of us this time in the legislature than there was two years ago in the legislature. Yeah. I, you know, one of the, I think it's very one exciting. The, so one of the things that Dennis um, uh, is, is touching on, that I think is very important that people often overlook or don't understand is, you know, people like to say in the political process, you know, the technology is neutral. And what they mean by that is that, you know, the same tactics that you can use on the left, you can use on the right, and, you know, libertarians and statists and whatever can all use the same political technology. One of the things that the the progressive movement has been very successful with over the, um, the last, I don't know, maybe 50 years or something, is incremental gains. Um, you know, a lot of libertarians like to think that political uh, political action and, and achieving liberty is going to come in one big step. And frankly, that's not the case. And people get discouraged and whatever when they when they see incremental change. But frankly, that's positive. That any, any change is positive. And one of the things that the left has done repeatedly is take on losing battles uh, on purpose. Well, you know, you have a lot of activists that you can organize. Uh, you have a lot of data on people that you can collect. You have opportunities to wage war in the press and uh, change the entire tone of the debate um, that happens in the public policy process. So, you know, even losing a battle it isn't really always a bad thing. It's still, in a lot of cases, uh, incrementally changing, you know, public debate in your process. I mean, how long did it take for the healthcare debate to get to where it is today. I mean, they had 60 to lose years. an awful lot of, yeah, they had to lose an awful lot of battles before they're, you know, getting to today's thing. And every time they mobilize more people, they get more people involved, they change the debate. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we don't necessarily win the FIJA bill this time. You know, if we've made significant incremental gains, then I'd be willing to bet the next time is even is even more successful, if not 100%, you know, getting the bill passed or, or whatever. Yeah, I, and what I got to interject there is that the numbers and the mathematics because of the Free State Project are what's on our side here. It's not just 
educating more people. It's also the fact that, you know, just from what I've seen, every two years, because elections here every two years for House of Representatives and for Senate, every two years there is more of us, more freestaters, more libertarians, more strict constitutionalists, and hopefully someday more or any abject anarchists getting elected into those positions and voting the right way on every single bill. I mean, my, my nose count on the, the Fuji bill, based on the kind of questions that the committee was asking and who seemed to be with us, who seemed to be against us, one thing I can guarantee it's not going to be 15 to 1 against. I know we got more on our side than that, largely because of people just sending emails to the representatives saying, this is a good thing, you ought to look at this. You'd, you'd be amazed that that actually does work, especially on these bills that no one's ever heard of before, aside from libertarians. <laughs> if it's if it's 10 to 5, which is what I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be 5 in our favor. I think we, we, we won four more people. I'm going to guess it's going to be 10 to 5. You know what 10 to 5 means? There's yeah, a chance. That means three more. If we had three of us, three, one, two, three, yeah. go for the judiciary, for the judiciary, we wouldn't just win this bill. We would win every freaking bill in judiciary. That, it's... So the numbers are on our side. That's three people. Yeah. So don't tell me that good politics doesn't change anything. You give me three more people, the numbers go in R. You know, you're going to fight fire with fire. I'm fighting against democracy because democracy stinks, and I'm doing it using what democracy? Yeah. I, I, you know, I think that uh, at this point, it seems to be, to me, the most effective uh, you know, way to, to, to go about doing things. And I, I agree that it is slow and arduous and a pain in the butt and all those other things. But I, I don't see anything else uh, you know, having these kind of effects. Um, you know, I, well, I, you know, here's at the end of the day, if I, you know, I was there for more time than I planned for. I planned to be there for like two hours. I ended up going for like four hours. But you know what? I could get up and leave any time I wanted. I do have a job. I do have a family. And if something was really pressing and really serious, if my wife called and said, oh, my God, I need you here at home, I could get up and leave. I was free to do that. Nobody had to be nailed to a tree. Nobody had to go to jail. Mm-hmm. And yet, sometimes on these issues, we win. Yeah, I and, and but now um, speaking of uh, losing, there wasn't there a, a terrible vote for uh, homeschooling yesterday? And can you explain that a little bit more? I don't know anything about terrible. it. Terrible? But... No, it was a great vote. It was a terrible idea of a bill. It was you know every two years the people who think that they can do a better job of educating your kids than you can mm-hmm. put up more homeschooling regu- regulation. They try to do the slippery slope. They try to get away with what they think they can get away with that time. And in this particular case, the homeschooling legislation came out of committee inexpedient to legislate, and the whole House overwhelmingly agreed with the committee, as they typically do, and that particular proposed piece of legislation is dead and is not coming back for at least another year, thank God. Now, I thought that I heard that it got passed. I mean, am I just wrong there, or am I hearing, am I confused? Maybe we're talking about two different bills. I know there was at least one really big, really bad homeschooling bill that I was particularly interested in, and that one did die the, the death that it deserved. Oh, and here's an interesting thing. When we're talking about big issues that get libertarians motivated, there's this whole issue with a gun ban in the state house that's got people all upset. Yes, let's talk about that. Well, I, uh, I, I happen to see, because, you know, we have legislators that are, in fact, Free State Project members. So we have our people on the inside. Remember how important that is? Yes. Uh, so, and, and also, we have our people who, frankly, um, are friends with some of the big bad statists, not because they believe everything that the statists believe, but because at least they get along and aren't yelling in each other's faces. Right. Anyways, I don't know what the backroom dealing was on this. I don't know what happened, but the uh, the majority leader of the House of Representatives and the deputy majority leader 
sent a sort of formal email, a formal request to, uh, to the relevant committees requesting that they reconsider this new ban that they put in place. Now, the ban was put in place basically without the, the legislation voting on it, legislator voting on it. It was just a, it was just kind of a rule that somebody decided to slide through and was voted on a committee or something like that, and, and that's how uh, it got yeah. through. The committee was actually the um, Joint Facilities Committee, so it's a, it's a committee of, of conference, I guess, sort of, you could think of. Uh, there's members of the House, members of the State Senate, and um, they're in charge of basically mowing the lawn and keeping the lights on, and they decided <laughs> that one of the things they were going to sneak in, you know, the week before Christmas was a ban on, on firearms, knives, pepper spray, you know, deadly items or whatever they call them. Um, and basically, you know, they have failed at the legislative process in previous uh, cycles. You know, they've had bills up in the past to try to do this. There was a 10-year ban uh, on, on firearms in the state house That was overturned uh, several years ago, and, you know, they've failed since then. Um, pretty, pretty handily, we defeated their efforts to, to ban weapons in the state house since then. So, of course, you know, a backdoor committee is really in the dead of night, their only hope at this point. And, yeah, you know, they, they snuck it in, and Dennis can tell you more about what happened yesterday. Well, you know, and, and Andy likes to talk about the technology, the tools of politics, and it's so true. And we're so fortunate, again, in New Hampshire to be not just doing this for the first time. I mean, it's first time for, for many of us who are new here, but we're getting trained up by people who are libertarians, who've been in the state house for 20 years fighting these battles, yes. who know all about how to use these tools effectively. So, you know, some of these folks gave me the tools that I use, which is, and here's, you know, here's an instructive example. When they do something like that, one of these committees in the dead of night things, this is where if you're on the inside, you can basically by which I mean if you're friendly to these people and not mm-hmm. out in the streets burning your bra yelling at them, you can go and you can say to them and their friends, the other people who you say, look, I agree with you on the marijuana issue, you, you know, Democrats and so forth. I agree with you. You know I'm with you on so many issues. And i got to say, how stupid were the people that you elected? How stupid were they? I'm not going to talk about whether it's good or bad to ban guns. How stupid was it of them to do this in this way that everybody knows is not the right way to do it and is going to cause backlash and blowback, and you're never going to get you know, what you think you're going to get. And if, that, if that's the kind of people that you're electing, they're, they're bumbling incompetent boobs, and you ought to elect someone else. Maybe why don't you take one of the libertarians and put them in, because that would be better than those boobs that you got in there. Yeah. Right. One of the things that we did to take a, a very hard line on this, and again, an incremental change um, from a more radical perspective, uh, I have a political action committee called Citizens for Sensible Legislation. Sounds nice and warm and fuzzy, and how can you really be against anything that's sounding sensible? Yeah, and I, uh, well, I'm a member of your Facebook group on that one. Yeah, yeah, we have uh, waged a pretty, pretty successful uh, press uh, war over the se- uh, last several months uh, on various issues from from the LLC tax, uh, the income tax that they you know their tax that they had. Uh, we had some successes with um, um, you know some of the other issues here, waging a battle in the press to change the dialogue. Okay, because frankly, you know, a lot of folks go out and protest. That's great. I think a lot of times it's going to come off as just the, the press doesn't like us. So anything that they have, you know, and mentioned in the press about the side of liberty is just, you know, so many angry people today, 50 angry people stood outside the state house with signs. 
Well, if, if we have press releases, then I, I specifically called out uh, Terry Norelli and, and Maggie Hassan, you know, the, uh, the House and Senate leadership of the Democratic Party. I called them a rogues gallery of the worst defenders of liberty in the state and used, you know, harsh language. And now we're at a point of critical mass where not only are we getting significant press coverage, but we are getting press coverage building off of that, where now they're mentioning our PAC and our efforts without even having to, um, to put out a press release. You know what I mean? So it's kind of gaining a critical mass stage here. Yeah, it seems to me like uh, you know what 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 I'm seeing are success after success, and, and uh, admittedly they're small successes, and we haven't taken the the snowball of big government and started rolling it back up the hill yet. But we have slowed that big old snowball down here in New Hampshire, and that snowball isn't as big as it is in, well, every other state of the Union and every other um, country on the planet. I mean, I suppose there are other places where one's more free, but the technology isn't very high there. So, um, you know, one one kind of has to rate how free is free if you don't have uh, running water. Um, but. You know, I think that I think we're having a lot of success in the uh, in the area of politics, and and I I like to tout it as much as I possibly can, and that's why I'm having you guys on. Yeah, we are actually, you know, throwing snowballs down the hill now. We're at the stage where we have our own organs of of you know propaganda, so to speak, propaganda about liberty and talking about our issues and our talking points and putting our message out there aggressively. Um, not only on the defense, uh, you know, reacting to issues that the Democrats and Republicans are putting forward, but we're really being offensive, pushing our issues. So I think, yeah, we're, we're getting towards the top of the hill where we can start rolling rocks down at people. So, um, Dennis, what do you think? Uh, do you see any uh, bills for liberty out there um, in, on the, in the near future? Oh, yeah. You know, with, with the Liberty Alliance and, and with Again, having our people on the inside, there are so many pro-liberty bills being put forward. And one of the things that, you know, I've certainly learned, when you're libertarians, you need to understand you're in the minority. You're a desperate minority. So if you say, you got to do this or we'll vote you out, you're talking out your butt because you're not going to because you're in the minority. So what you have to be able to do, frankly, is to pick your battles and find what's the What's the issue that is the biggest value of the very few issues that we can focus real serious attention on? What are the ones that are the biggest strategic value that we think we got a shot that we can win? And if it's something like medical marijuana, that's a high-value target, and we came within a whiskers, hair's breath. Yeah. We came within a backroom deal, one vote. We, we did terrible damage on, on our governor who... Uh, you know, we, do, damaging the governor is not a bad thing necessarily. Um, although we lost that bill, we pushed that thing within a whisker of passing. And, you know, but that's one of those high-value things that you're not going to change that many people's opinions on. The people who are against drugs are against drugs, and it, all the logic goes out the door. They're, it's all about emotion. They're scared of drugs the way some people are scared of guns, and the logic just does not factor in. And yet we came within that whiskers breath. Where we typically, as libertarians, get much more traction and, frankly, have a better chance of winning, and by winning I mean either definitely passing a law or definitely killing a bad bill, is when it's one of the issues that is not already known to everybody, that's not a quasi-religious issue. And, you know, jury nullification might be a good example where it's something that people haven't heard of a lot of before. 
regulation is another one. We do great. I mean, you know, I, I can't count on two hands the number of bad regulations that we were able to kill. Now, you may say that's not advancing liberty. Fine, I understand that. The fact is, lots and lots and lots of new regulations we were able to kill just by knowing what we're doing and the fact that, you know, whether you're regulating carpenters on something or regulating plumbers on something stupid, most people don't come at it from a libertarian view. Most people don't know that regulation is just bad on its face to begin with. And so those are the kinds of issues that because people aren't already committed emotionally one way or the other, we can knock those out. Boom, 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 boom. And we don't need to be shouting about it from the rooftops. But yeah, we're doing it, baby. We're doing it every day. I agree with a lot of but one thing that I would say that uh, I think is, is that, you know, the ideals of liberty in New Hampshire in particular and the Republican Party, uh, I think, are, are, not, are not as outside the bounds of normality as some people think or, or portray, you know, them to be. So, you know, I mean, we did, we did lose the medical marijuana fight. You know, the libertarian uh, ideals did not really win the day that, that time, but... Now, we gained an awful lot of uh, alliances in the Republican Party. We switched a lot of people's votes. And overall, I think, you know, a lot of folks, uh, not just with that issue, uh, but overall, I, I think, you know, New Hampshire is a, is a very friendly place to the ideals of liberty. And I, I think especially the Republican Party is very receptive to our activists and our candidates and our operatives. I mean, I've worked on a number of, of, of high-level political campaigns. I worked for the Republican National Committee, and that was on the recommendation of, of the state Republican Party. So they're really embracing us. They're embracing our message and our operatives. Uh, you know, they want to win. I'll, I'll disagree with you there, Andy, and say as a Democrat, I'm finding a lot of great traction on the Democratic side for a whole bunch of issues. And the fact that we're working them on both ends means they got nowhere to hide. Exactly, exactly. We're going to squeeze from both ends and end up somewhere in the middle. I think that's, that's very powerful. Like I said, you know, the ideas of liberty in New Hampshire, uh, I think maybe in particular, and that's something we can work on at a, at a more you know, national level over the coming years. But, you know, one of the things that we've had, you know, really good successes is just changing the tone of the debate uh, to a more liberty-friendly uh, message. And I think, you know, it's very careful to look at, at the timeline of, of social change, you know, there's a there's a time and a time uh, a shelf life for every tactic, whether it be uh, you know legislative action or uh, a, a press campaign or civil disobedience. You know everything fits in like a puzzle on this timeline. And I think not only do you want to use the right tactic at the right time, but you want to be able to use uh, a tactic without it getting stale and knowing you know when to move to the next stage on the timeline. I think we've been very successful so far in, like, for example, our press campaigns. But at the same time, you know, I think a lot of times folks are not really willing or maybe they just don't understand, um, you know, when a specific tactic has, has worked and it's time to move on or is failing and you should try a different tactic. You know, one of the things I think has been a failure um, has been some of the civil disobedience. Let's talk, for instance, about the 420 protests in Keene. Um, if you want to talk, you know, unsuccessful timing was to have their smokeouts, you know, in the same week that the Keene uh, City Council was debating on, you know, whether or not to, I don't know what the correct term is, but to reschedule their police priorities in terms of arresting, you know, you know, marijuana users, I guess, you know, recreational like that. drug users. And so I think, you know, they would have had a, a significant chance of passing that. You know, Keene is, is more friendly towards those ideals than other parts of the state, 
say maybe Portsmouth or something. And I think it was a very, very good chance that would have happened. Um, of course, you know, the police were already sort of ignoring those um, violations of the law anyways. And bringing this media attention after they had already kind of achieved that success with the public and, you know, time to move on, they kind of brought a failure on themselves by not changing gears and switching to a different tactic in, in the proper time frame. You know, I think um, the, the negative media coverage that they got sort of changed people's minds um, on, on, the, on the city council. I think it put a lot of undue pressure on the police to kind of react. You know, people in the, in the press and in the, in the, in the you know, public were like, well, you're not doing your jobs. If you want to you change the law, then change the law, but the law is the law type of thing. And, you know, that goes back to the fully informed jury. You know, we'll fix that. We'll fix people's perception of that. But right now, that's what it is. So I think public perception and knowing when, to, when your tactic has been successful uh, and time to use a different tactic to achieve change, you know, that's, that's something that I think a lot of people either don't understand or overlook in the liberty movement. And I think you really need to focus on when specific tactics are effective, how long to use them for, when to switch to a different tactic. I mean, it's not something that is strictly, you know, a libertarian issue or a democratic issue or a progressive issue or whatever. You know, these are, like I said, it's, it's neutral. It's just a timeline. You know, the tools are neutral. You have to use them to each situation. And I think a lot of times people overlook that, you know, or they just don't understand. So you're saying that uh, you you believe in uh, civil disobedience at a, at a time and a place, but uh, you also think that there's a time and a place that it would be misused. Oh, absolutely. Civil disobedience is a very powerful uh, tactic, you know, and to change public debate and, and more importantly, public policy. Uh, it's a very powerful tactic. However, it has, um, it has a place in its timeline and, and a shelf life. And I think that if you use it at the wrong time or if you use it after you've already achieved success, you know, it can backfire. And I think really it's just a matter of knowing when to use the tactic of civil disobedience and uh, when, when to not use it and when to move on. Because I think it's such a powerful tactic that you want to make sure you're not, you know, using it at the wrong time or using it to your detriment. Yeah. Well, um, so what do you guys see in the uh, the, the future, in the near future, as far as, uh, you know, possible uh, battlefronts or victories uh, for liberty here in the, the state of New Hampshire? Uh, I know that the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance is starting its series of um, training sessions for candidates who are running for House of Representatives in the state of New Hampshire. The first one is going to be on February 6th. I'll put in a plug. February 6th, 1 o'clock p.m., Murphy's Tap Room. There'll be lots of web postings and stuff. But the important thing is, you know, we're starting now to get our candidates trained in how to get yourself elected. And I'll be really interested to see how many people are SVP on that, how many people show up. But in the past couple of years, you know, Four years ago, I think we had maybe a dozen people run, most of whom ran as Republicans at a time when people just knew they hated Republicans because there was a war. Yep. And yet we got somebody elected as a Democrat. And then two years later, we had, I would say, not many more. I think we had maybe 20 people run, of whom four got elected, Republicans and Democrats. And I fully expect, and those are new people, like, you know, new movers to the state. I fully expect this time to have more than 20 people run. And, you know, the, the fact is, more of our people run as Republicans than run as Democrats, despite what I like to tell them. And the fact is, I think that the numbers are going to keep increasing. And it's not just about how many votes you have. It's about how many people you have spreading that liberty message on the inside, infecting the rest of the legislature. So what's my prediction? Well, as Muhammad Ali said, for the statists, 
my prediction is pain. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I would compliment that by saying that, you know, um, more, more importantly, I think for the long term, uh, one of the things that, you know, for example, my action committee is focusing on is really trying to change the debate uh, using a pro-liberty message to attack really bad legislators in the press. Uh, we're also organizing activists to go um, to targeted doors uh, in the districts where bad legislators are to hit them on issues that are important to us, to put our message out there on the street uh, that complements our message in the press, and really just over the long term kind of pull the debate back towards the top of the Nolan chart. We want to pull people towards liberty, you know, not just inside the state house, but really, you know, we want to control the whole discussion, frankly. I think a lot of times the, the problem is, well, geez, nobody talks about our issues. How come every time I read the paper, they're only, they're not, they're missing our, they're missing the point, I think is a, is a lot of the problem. So we're going to put our message out there to the press. We're going to compliment that with candidates. And yeah, I look forward to uh, the citizen activism that the NHLA has on tap for this year. So, um, each of you plug your organization real quick. So, that if uh, we, we got to get, uh, I got to go, but uh, I want to make sure that uh, if people are listening, they think that what you're talking about sounds like their kind of gig, um, that they get a, get an opportunity to get a hold of you. Andy, uh, citizens for sensible legislation. It's uh, www.cslnh.org. And uh, you can read some of our press releases and uh, sign up for our mailing list. Dennis? NHLiberty.org. It is the one. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Um, and, uh, Dennis, I, I will be working on, uh, on on bills again this year for the NHLA, and uh, I appreciate all that you guys do over there, and thank you for the interview. Hey, thanks for the opportunity, Mark. Dennis, thank always you. a pleasure. Thank you, Andy. Thanks, Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet! And get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.